0: That's uh, too hot. Good morning, everybody. Morning, morning. We're going to have a word of prayer so we can start this morning. Thank you so much. What a warm house. Man, you guys are a really big good picture of what Jesus said, what the church ought to be. By this, the world will know that you are my disciple. huh? How? If you love one another. And I see love in this house. Praise God. Good to see everybody. How many you here? First time see me. First time you never see me before. Well, I know we got some new people in the church, but uh, praise God, I'm glad to be here. Believe it or not, your church is one of the weird churches in this country because you love on us and you support us financially. We receive money from you every month, and at the same time you don't like me to come to see you. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, man. Normally, church support me. they want me three, four times every year. I said, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm far away from you. Maybe next year. And your church, we have to call ten times for Kevin to answer the phone. (laughs) I said, please, can I come speak in your church? You guys are already giving. Anyway, so good morning to everybody. And let's uh, start with a word prayer. I know lots of people have prayer requests. Some sincere prayer requests we can get hands up if you have a prayer request. I like when I go to school and I ask the children, school, ask me some sincere question about Egypt. And guess what they say. Do do in Egypt you still go to school riding camels? I said, that's not a sincere question, but I'll answer it. (laughs) Sincere question, so sincere prayer request. Okay, let's pray. And Father God, we give thanks to you because you're an awesome God. You love us even there was nothing in us to be loved for. You loved us while we're committing sin, that you send your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to save us, to deliver us from our sins. He is the one who died as a substitute. It was I who have sinned against you. It's I who deserve to die physically and eternally in hell. But you send your Son to take my place, to set me free. And thank you, Holy Spirit, because you're the one who draws to believe that Jesus is Lord, that he is God Almighty who came in the flesh and you are the one who convicted our hearts for our sins and you are the one who led us to believe in the true salvation through Christ alone. We thank you for this day as we uh, worship you and remember that you have rose from the dead on on that Sunday and that's why we meet here today. We worship you all week long, every hour. But today is a day set apart from the beginning of the church to celebrate the risen Lord. We love you and we praise you. We left up uh, this time of our Bible study and the evening, and the afternoons, uh, the worship time of the service and in the evening service that you will use me and somehow to minister to you, people here. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think my mic is hot, but if you're okay with it, I'm fine. Uh, I will not, I'll try to remember not to get too excited because then you're going to close your ears or maybe you can cut me down a little bit. Uh, Today's presentation is not about Eunice, my special friend Eunice. Believe it or not, the first time I came here and she told me Eunice, I said, excuse me, what? Her husband said, my wife, her name is Eunice. I said, Eunice, that's the name for uh, Muhammad, given the Quran for Jonah. And I was supposed to do, as you maybe have seen advertising, supposedly talk to you about Jonah and the Bible and the Quran, but that's not what we're going to do. So we're going to do another presentation revealing the truth, uh, sorry, how to witness to Muslims. Um, so Lord's willing, next time we can do Jonah, we can do other presentation. Since I was with you, we have at least five, six new presentation, And... Literally, we have now in the 20th presentation. So far, I spoke in this church. I did maybe four or five. So we have plenty. So if I come next time, it's, oh, you saw me talk to us last time. We know what he's going to be talking about. No, I hope and I pray that I will not repeat myself because I was about to repeat myself today and I do Sharia. Uh, but it's not Sharia. It's not Jonah. It is about how to minister to the Muslim people. If you look at the screen here, uh, as maybe many of you have seen this before, the, uh, this is the log of our ministry. The straight way of grace ministry. When we start the ministry, they said, Usama, you have to come up with a name for the ministry. As a non ministry, you have to have a name. And I sat in our office in First Baptist in, Orlando, in Florida, and I thought, and I thought, what could I make a name for our ministry? And then the Lord really put this in my heart, the Muslim prayer, the Muslim prayer. Muslims pray five times a day. In their five daily prayer. they repeat that request, that question, which we'll do our best today. and tonight to answer their question. Guide us to the straight way. That's Quran chapter 1, verse 5. Muslims always say the same thing. Sadly, many of them say these words in the Arabic language without having a clue what they're saying. I'm not talking about half of the Muslim, I'm talking about 87% of the Muslim people in the world today are praying to Allah in the Arabic language without having a clue what they're saying. I was just in, uh, in uh, Sand Cloud, what, six weeks ago, six, seven weeks ago, and we ministered to the Muslim people, the Somali in Sand Cloud, which roughly around 25% of the city. That is 16,000 Muslim Somali live in one city. And we went to the Islamic Center waiting for them to finish their prayer, Friday prayer, and as they're coming out, I spoke to all of them in the Arabic language, on purpose, to see which one will answer, good morning. That's all I said, good morning. And sadly, one group after one group, of people come out of the mosque, not one person have a clue what good morning means in Arabic language. And they were praying inside the mosque for a whole hour in the Arabic language. They memorized their prayer. They memorized their prayer, including the statement, Quran chapter 1, verse 15. Verse 5, guide us to the straight way. And they have no clue what they're saying in the prayer. And they will never have the answer for that prayer unless we the Christians love the Muslim people. We in America so naive, or I say the better word so stupid, that we love the Muslim people for our own destruction and we love them for hell. There are churches in America for the last 15 years or so. Their ultimate goal is to bring as many Muslims from the Muslim world to America. That's the Democrat agenda. Because they know every Muslim come to America, every Muslim will be voting for their party. And they care less about what these men have. Can you imagine with me bringing people with COVID-19 to your city to literally literally load every place with people with COVID-19. Because you know that these people will vote for you. And you know they have COVID-19. I'm not saying this is just in a spiritual talk. I really mean that. They bring them from the border in Texas. And I was near the border uh, just four or five days ago. And I know they actually caught a lady. She go, gets him to bring him into the country. And they have never tested these people for COVID-19. Don't believe their lives when they say, well, they're here for a little short time and they're going to go back. They're not going back. They're here to stay. They may be locked you up, but it will make them free in this country. They have COVID-19 and they bring them to this country and they're careless. Always they need as many millions as they can bring to this country. That is just people from 106 countries come to our border. Now, we got churches in America who are doing the same thing. And I talk with these pastors, including Baptists, my own people. If you're not a Baptist, I'm a Baptist. So if I make fun of Baptists, it's just because I'm making fun of me. And that minister told me, when you come here to Rochester, you're destroying everything we're doing all year long by one appearance to, to the people of Rochester, Minnesota. I said, excuse me, what? He said, we love the Muslim people and we minister to the pe- Muslim people and you don't know how to love them. He's really preaching to me. I said, what do you mean you minister to them? We, we teach them English as a second language, ESL, whatever you call it, some letters. And then we, we give them food and we give them clothes, and we give them furniture, secondhand furniture. We don't buy them new furniture. We love the Muslim people, and you come to our city, and you ruin our ministry. In just a few hours, you came and leave. His people, that's a Baptist minister, were outside protesting me. And the minister of the church told me, Brother Usama, these are the people from Baptist church in our community. They hold the sign, hatred is not welcome here, racism is not welcome here. What a stupid words the liberals have been using since Obama came to power. Racism, racism, racism. I thought we got the first black Arab Muslim president. Why we talk about racism? Why he brought racism? Because that is exactly how they know to take this country, divide and conquer. So I said to that preacher, so you give them food. And he gives them uh, clothes, and he teaches them English. Have you ever done this in his name? You see, what do you mean? I said, the Bible said a glass of water in my name. Did you mention the name of Jesus when you him? Sure we do. Oh, let's see the fruit. He said, there are 8,000 Muslims live in his community, and he's been ministering to them for 10 years. So I asked him, how many of them got saved? And he will not answer my question. I said, maybe my English is not very clear. Let me repeat again. How many of these eight Muslim thousand Muslim people who are in your community, who you've been ministering to them for 10 years, how many of them got saved in the last 10 years? How many of them became a member in church? Well, if I come next Sunday, will I meet some of these Muslim family who became a Christian? He said, numbers means nothing. I said, you tell this to Jesus. Because he walked by the fig tree and there was no fruit. And he walked by the fig tree and there was no fruit. And Jesus said, numbers means nothing. No, he cursed the tree. And the tree died. Do these Baptists of Rochester, Minnesota, really love the Muslim in their community? So I said to him, and by the way, his his two guys when they came inside the church, they exposed me. They like squeezed me in the corner. They know how to torture me. Like, you are anti-immigration. I said, I am anti bringing people with a cancer or disease worse than a cancer to destroy this country and you're not minister to them you know if we can lead the muslim to christ may god almighty bring the whole muslim world to america what a great way to reach out to the lost muslims so i tell the preacher if we made the eight thousand in your community sixteen thousand muslims we're going to double the number will this give you a better chance to lead a one muslim family for jesus And his answer was, only God knows. I said, no, I know better than God in that. Trust me. When you got 16,000 Muslims in your community, in that Rochester, you will not be able to knock at the door. You know why? Because when you start knocking at the door, when they have the upper hand, when the number exceeds to 16%, they they will literally burn your church and they will blow your head with a bullet. Because you don't know the Muslim and you don't know Islam and you'll never have a successful ministry among the Muslims in your community. And that's the way, by the way, it's not just a Baptist problem in the liberal churches in America, that's the Baptist problem in the mission field among the Muslims. So I went to Indonesia, not once, but twice. And I met with our missionary in Indonesia. And they know the Indonesian language, and they know the Indonesian custom and culture, and they're doing a great job to, to live in Indonesia as great, tourists, tourist, not terrorists, tourists. And they never lead a Muslim from Indonesian to Christ. Me and my small team of eight guys led 47 to Christ in 10 days. They actually wasted three, four of our days to calm us down because we're excited about sharing the gospel with the Muslims. And this, oh no, no, you're tired. You're tired from traveling all the way from America to Indonesia. That's 10 miles. Take it, is enjoy today in the hotel. We slept last night. Good. No. Stay today in the hotel. The second day, they took us to the Buddha temple. To visit the Buddha temple. We want to minister. To the Muslim of Indonesia, they want us to relax. And then they took us to a Muslim village. And they said, that is a 100% Muslim village, which means there's no Christian lives there. Which means we're going to do prayer walking. Excuse me, what? Prayer walking. So we're not going to minister to that village. We're just going to walk and pray for the Indonesian people. And then we're going to take a boat and we go on the water for a couple hours. Come back, give this guy 20 American dollars, which is lots of money. It's equal to a salary of a month's work in Indonesia. And then pray again and then leave and we'll do the ministry somewhere else tomorrow. They don't do ministry. Our missionaries overseas do not do ministries. They do tourist work. Wasting our life, our time, our money. And by the way, they're not leading a Muslim to Christ. I'm not going to waste your time but all the stories are horrible things I've seen from our mission overseas. But somehow, I know why they're not ministering to the Muslim people. They do not know the Muslim prayer. Have our missionaries heard that simple sentence, which it says, guide us to the straight way. Muslim praying to their Allah, and they don't know who is that Allah, is Satan, uh, to guide them to the straight way. And the answer for that prayer, which has been left by the Muslim for the last 1,400 years, will never be heard unless we the Christian love them by telling them, yes, he is the straight way. He is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. And no one, no Baptist, no Catholic, no Baptist, no Presbyterian, no, nobody can get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. This is the answer for the Muslim people. And we don't know too much about Islam, and we do not know about their prayer, and we do not know about uh, the Muslim people, and we think we love them by bringing them to America. Bring them in. Bring them in. Believe me, what's happening in England today, it will happen in America tomorrow. And obviously, you do not know what the Muslims are doing in England, do you? I bet my life, 90% of you have no clue what I'm talking about. Because the media in America will not tell you what the Muslim men are doing to the British young girls and British women today. Now, I'm going to tell you. Not Fox News, not any channel. Maybe when you bring you some Dak talk and you hear what Mo- Muslims are doing right now in England, you figure out that's what's coming to your city tomorrow. They're not just uh, sick people. They're evil people. So the prayer, God is the straight way. The answer, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except from me. This is uh, my beloved wife. If you have not seen her before, this is Caleb when he was 18. Now he's 24, six years older. A little bit, he's a little bit taller than me now. Which is, I don't know why even I make him stand up. Because he should sit in front of us or something. And uh, keep Vicky in your prayer. I've been traveling out for the last uh, four years or so by myself. She, uh, bought, the Lord put on her heart to take care of her mama. 94 coming up. Here, 94th birthday coming up. So pray for Vicky as she continues to minister to her mama. And pray for Caleb because he is a prodigal son. And he needs to come home for Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> If you ask the Muslim in America, and if you ask our politician in America, Republican and Democrat, they will tell you Allah, but it means God is great. Wow. We're on the same page, guys. Muslim, Christian, we're like that. They believe God is great. Allahu Akbar. They told Mr. McCain before he died, "You are trying to help the savage jihadi of Syria to destroy another country in the Middle East after Obama already destroyed Egypt and Bush destroyed Iraq, and they are about and they are destroying Yemen and just saw many Muslim countries. Uh, why you want to you want to you know empower the jihadi?" He said, "No, no, 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 no. They are not jihadi. They are freedom fighters." Well, but, but Mr. McCain, they shout Allah Akbar. No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with the word Allah Akbar. It means God is great. Oh, okay. So Muslims believe in our God and God is great. Why not support them to take over another country? Stupid is, stupid does. We are a stupid nation for years. You know, when Mr. Bush went to war in Iraq, I said it in this church years ago, I said, that is a waste of blood and money. Well, guess what? 20 years is gone, and we left Afghanistan, and guess what we did? We wasted blood and money. 5,000 soldiers or so died overseas in the war. 15,000 died in America committing suicide resulting of the war. And we spent, what, $7, 8000000000000 and we created three stronger Muslim military in the Middle East. Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and Taliban. Wow, that was a smart move, is it? Should, should we go to another war, another country to create another force, Muslim powerful military? I mean, the Taliban today have more weapons than they ever dreamed to have. They could not buy the material, the, the weaponry and the high tech we left for them for free. They don't have the money to buy it and nobody will sell it to them. We gave it to them. And we tap our back We feel good about ourselves because we ended the war in Afghanistan. What a stupid leaders and what a stupid country. Allah Akbar, it means Satan is bigger. Can you imagine? The American people have been educated today. In our public schools, as I start with you, our presentation, lies in textbooks, only did three or four lies. is actually 15 lies. In the future, we'll do some more of it. They're teaching our children, Allahu Akbar, God is great. Jews and Christian Muslims worship the same God who is great. But in reality, Allah is Satan, and the word Akbar means bigger or larger. Satan is larger, and our children believe that Muslims believe in the same God we worship. How to witness the Muslim? A lot of churches love for me to go and do this presentation, but as I always said, they're not ready. If you don't know Islam, and you don't know about that the cult of Islam, you're not ready to minister to Muslim people. But we are talking enough. Some of you already know it too much, a little bit better than other churches in America. And maybe the Lord just leads us to learn a little bit more about Islam in this presentation. How to minister to Muslims. When you minister to Muslim or witness to Muslim, it's completely different than when you minister to Jehovah's Witness or Mormon or Catholic or some people have some idea about Christianity. It's not the same. And one of the reasons why our missionaries get frustrated, those who are sincere about ministering to Muslim people, because they go to the field, the Muslim field, and five years, ten years later, no Muslim come to Christ. They think, oh, it's a hard field. It's a hard land. It's difficult. No, it's not difficult. It's very easy. It's just you're not qualified to minister to the Muslims. And I talked to these, many of these missionaries. I said, have you studied the Quran? Well, I read a little bit about the Quran. Excuse me, what? You read a little bit about the Quran and you've been missing the Muslim people for 10 years. You never led a Muslim to Christ. Maybe you need to, to be trained. Maybe you need to study. Maybe you need to educate yourself so you can minister the Muslim people. Jesus did not pick up 12 disciples and send them to the end of the world. And that was the end of it. No, he actually spent three years with them to train them. Maybe you don't not have to fly in this airplane 10,000 miles away to think that you're a missionary. Maybe you need to lead some Muslims in Jerusalem first, and then you can lead some more Muslims in Judea, and then you can read a little bit more and study more and lead Muslims from uh, the next country, and then you can go to Saudi Arabia. No, we got it all backwards. We give them three hours, literally three hours, from 9 to 12. On Wednesday, we're going to be talking about Islam, and then they're going to go 10,000 miles away, and now they're missionary to the Muslim world. So I attend that meeting, MLC, the LMT, whatever you call it, the Learning um, Something Center of some Baptist, for all our missionaries. And the brother who's teaching these three hours, from uh, he was from Jordan, a Muslim brother from Jordan. And I asked him at the end of it, well, <laughs> he talked about the culture, he talked about the clothes, he talked about food, he talked about the language, he talked about just general stuff, have not seen, he didn't even get into Islam. And I said to them to him, "Do you think these missionaries, the 120, whatever was sitting there, are ready to go to the mission world in the Muslim world?" He said, no. I said, "Why didn't you train them better? Why, do you, why can't you get in dips and, and we're there for 45 days?" meet with them at least 10 times, three hours, six hours, teach them about Islam. He said, they don't want me to do that. Excuse me, what? They don't want me to do that. Who are they? The leaders of our Southern Baptist mission field. They don't want them to do that? So Jesus does not want to teach his disciples. Jesus does not want to make disciples. of. Just bring 12 guys, fishermen, and say, go, do ministry. What are we going to do? Just go, you know. The Lord will tell you what to say watch this video I'm gonna prove it to you in this two small short videos why our missionaries are not doing good to minister to Muslim people overseas and why we're not ministering to Muslim here in America here okay what we say and what we hear what I say when I go knock on somebody's door and what I'm hearing myself okay
1: hello my name is Randy I'm a local Christian and I'm out sharing with people from the Bible today about how Jesus the son of God died on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life would you like to know more
0: that's a short version of what we normally do when knock a people door that's what we say and that's what we hear which is true and it will work good with most American people who have some idea about Christianity or heard about Christianity or have the same concept of our belief. You know what? I used to go to church years ago. You yeah, know, come on in. Right, tell me more. And then you sit with them and you talk with him. And behold, the Lord was perfect timing. And he and his wife say, you know what? We really need to recommit our life to Jesus and we want to be back in the church. And, and they maybe pray with you. And behold, the following Sunday they are in the church worshiping with us and to continue to grow to know Christ, to love Christ, to serve Christ. That's what we say and that's what we hear. Let's go to another video. Brother Randy, we'll do the same thing again, but in this time here it will be actually nope. Can you take me to the next slide please? Oh, who is the computer up here. Never mind. Don't take me, I'll take myself. What we say and what Muslims hear. Same video, same thing. We're going to say it, and let's hear how Muslims hear it.
1: Well, hello. My name is Randy, and I'm a local polytheist infidel. And I'm out today sharing with folks from a corrupted book about the prophet Isa, who is actually, we believe, one of three different gods and uh, how by believing in Him who didn't die on the cross for your sins, you can become an infidel and burn in hell forever. Would you like to know more?
0: That's exactly how Muslims hear us and our missionaries when we minister to them. You think today, 2021, Muslims never heard of the Bible. Muslims never heard of Jesus. Muslims never heard of the different beliefs among different churches. They teach him that much better than you know. As a matter of fact, if I got a Muslim here and we have a Muslim here last time I was here, Nadir Ahmed, he can literally give you a quiz about Trinity, and most of you are gonna fail. You're not gonna pass, not A, not B, not C. Most of you are gonna fail. Because we Christians believe in our Trinity, and I believe you sincerely believe in your heart, but you do not know how to defend it. You will not know, you do not know how to open the Bible and show me. From Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation, here is Trinity. If you look for the word Trinity online, in the Bible, just download the Bible and look for it. It's not there. The doctrine of Trinity is all over the Bible. From Genesis 1 all the way until Revelation. But the word Trinity is there. And if I ask you, I'm a Muslim, help me out. I need to understand your Trinity. Most American Christian, including you here, you will not know where in the Bible can you go to share with the Muslim about Trinity and convince them of Trinity. So they know about Christianity. They know the difference between a Baptist and a Catholic and Presbyterian. Some of us do not know the difference between us and Jehovah's Witness. And when you tell them about the things of Jesus, he already know. Bible, oh, the corrupt book. Jesus, oh, the one who did not die on the cross. He is not God Almighty who came in the flesh. You believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, I become an infidel. Oh, and I will burn in hell forever. No, thank you. Appreciate your knock at my door. Don't come back. You cannot communicate without the same language. When we speak the I'm not talking about just Arabic and English. Okay? That's a problem itself. But when you speak the language of Christianity to a Muslim who does not understand that language, even though you both speak perfect English, you will never be able to share the truth with him or her. You have to understand every word you say, there's a different meaning for it in the Muslim mind. So we need to study, not just study the Quran, not just to learn the things about Islam, we need to study how Muslim people read our Bible. When a Muslim man put his glasses on, the Islamic glasses, he read every verse in the Bible completely and then you and I will read it. No kidding. As a matter of fact, reason number one, why Muslims Why Americans leave Christianity and become Muslims? Because they were convinced to put the Muslim glasses on their face to read the Bible. If I will make you wear the Muslim glasses and read your Bible, start from Genesis 1, I will assure you, you will become a Muslim. Just read the Bible with their mind, with their understanding. So I met with this Muslim man, 30 some years old, an engineer who became a Muslim just a couple years after September 11. If I repeated the story in the past, I couldn't remember what I said here last time, not first time. So, and I said, uh, share with me, how did you become a, a, a Muslim? He said, well, Brother Usama, by the way, he came to the meeting with his wife. His wife, she's a Syrian from the country of Syria. And she, uh, he was hoping that in that meeting, he will lead us to Islam. But, in the same time, when I was invited to that house, uh, my friend from Lebanon, he invited me in his house with a bunch of other friends from Morocco, from Iraq. We are like a good 12 people, 13 people there were hoping that I would be able to share the gospel with the Muslim men. So we met in the same house for the opposite reason. He is coming there to lead me to Islam and I'm there to lead him to Christ. I said, share with me. How did he become a Muslim? He said, well, after September 11." I hated, I hated the Muslim people and I hated Islam. So I decided to go ahead, study the Quran and read the Quran so I can destroy Islam. So far so good. And he said, I read the Quran. And then I read the Quran again. (laughs) I read the Quran the third time. It is the most loving and peaceful book. Oh, when you hear it, it will make your high melt. It is so beautiful. They know that they're using the Quran right now in Europe for people who have some sickness and you know get crazy people nuts, whatever you call them. And when the people get ah, they listen to the Quran and they calm down and relax. Wow. So I said to him, "Inni akraha ka Inni uriduka and he said you see you see how beautiful it is his wife know arabic she was so embarrassed of herself because i did that not my believe god is my witness when i said that to him i have no idea where i'm going with it because i thought up to this morning that he knows arabic i mean so his wife she was so embarrassed like somebody pee on herself she was so embarrassed so badly and I said, do you know what I said? He said, it's, it's beautiful. I said, I want you dead. I would like to cut your throat, and I, I want you, I hate you so much. I want to cut your throat, and I would love to drink your blood. And he sang, it's so beautiful. So I figured out from that just simple uh, two line of poetry, I made it up on the spot, that the man does not know Arabic. I said, what language are you reading the Quran? He said you read the Quran three times, and it's so beautiful. What language have you read it? Well, he said, uh, it's Yusuf Ali translation. He grabbed the book from his bag. I'm oh, not, sorry. He told me about, I, I opened my bag, and I got the book, same book he's talking about, Yusuf Ali, green cover, heavy core, cover book. I said, you mean, that book? He said, yes. <laughs> you found love? In that book, you read it three times. You found love and peace in that book. He said, Absolutely. I said, Would you share with me one verse about love? And I reached up by my hand to give him the Quran. He said, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't touch it, I'm unclean, I have to wash first. Oh, I said, Oh, I'm sorry. He's now not just American Muslim, he's a Saudi Muslim, he's Egyptian Muslim. He is crossing the t's and that in the eye that he will not even dare to open the Quran or touch it when his hand is not clean. They actually programmed his brain to think if you touch a holy book and you're unclean, you will make the holy book unholy. Who's supposed to be the opposite. You touch the Holy Bible, you read the Holy Bible. I don't care how sinful, how wicked, how evil you are. Let the word of God work on your life. It will change you to a sin. Brother uh, Riyadh, he said, yes. I said, give my brother here a clean white towel and take him to your bathroom please. He did, clean towel, folded nicely. He washed, he dried, he came back. He did not sit like we normally sit. He actually sit that way, the Muslim way. I'm telling you, they program his computer in his head. They make him a Muslim man all the way. teeth and the eyes. Okay? So, you had the Quran sit on the ground? And he starts searching. And I look at him, and we're talking five minutes. And he's still searching. And I look at him again. So I said, brother, let me save you some time. Sister Wafat. Yes. Where are you from? From Morocco. Can you read the Arabic Quran? She laughed. I said, Hey, have you ever read the Quran? She said, Yesama. Me. I memorized it when I was 16 or 15. Okay, okay. Have you ever. One way or another, your eyes fall on a verse in the Quran, teach love or peace? She said, no. You mean there is not one verse in the entire book, teach love or peace? She said, no. Thank you, sister. Brother Osman, yeah, he's from Morocco, him and his wife. They were Muslim too, became a Christian. Tell me, have you ever read the Quran? You I said, did you ever find a verse in the Quran, teach love and peace? They said, no. I said, my friend. There are eight of those who are sitting there were Muslim became a Christian, and all of them know the Arabic Quran. They know it. Some of them memorized them when they were a kid. and not one of them find one verse teach love and peace. And you know that that book, whom you just read last two years three times, is loaded with love. He said from cover to cover. So I asked him which part of the Quran teach love and peace from cover to cover. So he got mad. He closed the Quran and he stood up. And he said, well, let me tell you why I left Christianity. I said, tell me. I want to know it. He wished his hand to this engineer, 32, 33 years old, and grab a stack of paper. They're not even organized. They're weird-looking shape, you know, like, sticking out, writing left. paper, like, stack it, grab it out. The God of the Bible cannot be the true God because he does not know. I said, wow. God does not know. Yes, and I will share this from from Genesis to Revelation. I said, well, read with me. Tell me. Before actually, I said that to him, I said, well, I thought you became a Christian because the Quran, whom you read three times, is loaded with love and peace from cover to cover. That's not the real reason why you became a Muslim. I said, no, that's that's, okay, okay, give me, give me. Adam, Adam, where are you at? Wow. For the first time in my life, I realized that when you wear the Muslim glasses and read the Bible, you would discover that the God of the Bible did not know where Adam was. That's why he's asking him, where are you? And if God is God, he should know better. He is hiding behind the tree, man. Look, here he is. Oh, here he is. Him and his wife. Did you eat from the tree, which I command you not to eat from? Oh, my God, I can't help it. He did not know if he ate or not. And he read, kept reading question after question. And Cain, where is your brother? He did not know that Cain killed his brother. Makes sense. I said, let's stop here. Stop here. He said, no, no, no. I have more questions. We're just in Genesis. I'm going to go to Exodus. I said, no, no, let's stop here. The more you talk, the more you make fool of yourself. I'm saving you embarrassment. When God asks Adam, "Where are you?" that that mean that does does that mean God does not know where Adam was, or Adam does not know where he was? I said, "We stopped at Cain, and I, I promise you, the more you talk, the more you make fool of yourself." Let's read the previous verse. He said, "What verse?" I said, "Before that verse, he does not have the Bible; he just have a stack of paper." Brother Yad, grab me a Bible. Read. Oh, why you're angry? Why are you mad? If you do what's right, it will be accepted. Who's talking here? God. There is sin waiting for you at the door, and that sin is going to control you. You know what? God is telling Cain, offer the right sacrifice. It will be accepted. Everything will be great. Or you're going to kill your brother. God is telling Cain in the future tense, you will kill your brother. And then we're at the question. And God said, Cain, where is your brother? And King said, I'm not my brother keeper. I don't know where he's at. The following verse, God said to King, okay, when you see him, please ask him to give me a call. I want to talk to him. No, the following verse was, the voice of the blood of your brother is crying out to me from earth. I know you killed your brother. So how Muslim winning American to Islam? It is by putting this glass of Islam on their face and by reading the Bible with the Muslim guys. So when you talk to Muslims and you start sharing the gospel with them, if you don't know how they understand, how they uh, know the language of the Bible, they will find out, you find out, that you will have zero success to lead these Muslims to Christ because simply you're not talking, communicating with them with the same language. A question in the Bible to them Equal, God does not know. By the way, I told that uh, Muslim friend, let's open the Quran and go to Quran chapter 5, verse 116. And in the Quran, surprise, surprise, Allah asking question. I said, if God in the Bible asks questions, that means he's stupid, he does not know. But if Allah in the Quran asks questions, that means he knows everything. That's right? And the funny thing about that question in Quran 5, by the way, there are many questions by Allah throughout the Quran. Many questions. But that question was a dumb question by a stupid God by the name Allah. What do I mean by that? Oh, Isa, son of Mary. First of all, my God, my God will never call Jesus Isa, son of Mary. He will call him my beloved son. Okay? So he does not know what he's talking. That's a great idea. Wait Did you, did you, that's a question, okay, in English. Did you tell the people to worship you and your mother? As God without me. What a dumb question. Why? Because Jesus never asked anybody to worship him and his mother without God the Father. Because you see throughout the Quran, Muhammad thought that the Christian believed in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Mother, and God the Son. So logically, Jesus told the people to worship him and his mother as God beside Allah. No, the whole question is wrong. And the funny thing is, read the answer of Jesus. In verse 117, the following verse I did not do that, I did not say that, and if I have done that, you should not. You are the knower of all things. I told them to worship you alone, really. Yeah, he did not say that. So, why Allah ask a question to Isa, son of Mary, is he meant Jesus? If he never did, if he never taught them. The whole thing is a mess. What I'm trying to say is. We have to know Islam very well. We have to know how to communicate with the Muslim. We have to wear their glasses to see how they're reading the Bible so we can share with them the truth of the Bible. That man became a Muslim 32 years, 33 years, two years after September 11 because he doubted the Bible. How? Because Muslims make him read the Bible to see God asking questions and God cannot be God. That is the only stumbling block he have. Towards Christianity. He left Christianity, became a Muslim because there's no way Allah can be God because the God of the Bible does not know. But Allah knows everything. Of course, in the Quran, Allah does not know anything. Now let's move on. This next slide You cannot share the gospel without the same understanding. Same understanding. Most things we say in Christianity, it means something completely different in Islam. Something could be different. We're not talking about the same thing. So, if I look at the word Jesus, Muslim will tell you, listen carefully, Muslim will tell you, we believe in Prophet Jesus, which in Arabic language means Isa. He was a good teacher. He was a good man. He was a good prophet. He is one of the best five prophets we believe in Islam. Do you know that Jesus is mentioned in the Quran more than Muhammad mentioned in the Quran? Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? That's what Muslims tell the Americans, and that's how they convince them that they believe in Jesus. And if you leave it there, they win and you lose. What do you know about the Jesus of Muhammad? First of all, the name Jesus in the Arabic language, it is not Isa as Muhammad claimed in the Quran, but it's actually Yeshua. Which coming from the Hebrew word Yeshua. Which by the way it means Savior. Can you imagine that? And you shall name him Yeshua for he will save his people from their sins. But Muslims tell you they believe in Jesus. And I got to meet with many Americans. Oh brother saw, Our neighbors love Jesus. They're wonderful Muslim people. I said, "What do you mean, they love? They believe in him. What do they tell you exactly? He is a good teacher. He is a good man. He's a good prophet. I mean, this is so much similarity between us and the Muslims about Jesus than that which divided us." Some minister in America who's doing exactly what I'm doing, and sadly, some of them are Arab from Lebanon who travel to speak in the churches of America. To tell the people of America that there are so much in similarity between us and the Muslim than the few things which divide us from the Muslim. And I really wish I have hair to pull my hair out of my head when I hear this stupid Christian Arab saying that. Because inside their hearts, they know they're lying. They're like working like the rhino in the Republican Party. They're Muslim, pretend to be a Christian, to leave the church to believe in Islam. And they call themselves Christian ministers. Yes, as a Muslim. So you tell me you believe in Jesus. And Jesus is a good teacher. You believe in that? Are you sure? Yeah, good. Can you share with me some of Jesus' teachings which make you really love him and believe in him to be a good teacher? Same question. We need to investigate what Muslims tell us about anything so we come to the bottom line. What does he really mean by what they're saying? Jesus is a good teacher. Well, if you look in the Bible, there is lots of good Jesus teachings all over the Bible. I know, I know. I'm a Christian. I'm a theologian. I study the Bible. Now, can you share with me, uh, not some, how about one of Jesus' teachings? What the most one that can catch your attention, catch, oh, man, look at Jesus' teaching is great here, you know? Guess what? Muslims have no clue. They have no answer. It is a garbage lies they taught them. When you go to America, tell them we believe in Jesus, A good teacher. What teaching they don't you know? Okay, okay. Let me share with you one or two things Jesus taught. And you tell me if that's what you really like about Jesus. I'm going to help you to remind you, know, remind you of the things Jesus taught. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father except through me. Wait a minute, Father? He's a way? for Islam is a way to me, not Christianity. Do, do you believe in that? Well, not, not actually like that, but, but, the, but he, he was a good teacher. Okay, let me teach you. And Jesus said, and Jesus said, and just read the red lines you have in your Bible. These are Jesus' teaching. Tell me which one of these teachings you like about Jesus. None of it. And they believe in Jesus, a good teacher. He's the first test. Uh, Jesus is a bad teacher. Good, good. Let's move to the next one. He's a good man. What did Jesus do make you believe he's a good man? Why he performed miracles? No, 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 no. Get a little bit specific. Because believe me, in each one of these miracles, when you go and read the verses, the verses before and after the miracle, most of them don't believe in it. So, so, so when they worship Jesus. And when he healed the laborers and one of them came back and worshiped Jesus, do you accept that? When, they, when Jesus performed this great miracle, which make him a good man. But the result of it, somebody believed in him to be the son of God. And you, when Jesus forgives sins and some of these great miracles, do you believe in that? Oh, that's actually blaspheming in Islam. We don't worship Jesus. He, he's just a good man. Wait a minute. he can be a good man and at the same time he accepted worship. He can be a good man and at the same time he forgives sins. he can you can't have it both ways. So Jesus actually eh, second test he failed. He's not a good teacher, he's not a good man. He's a blasphemer. Well Jesus is a good prophet, good, good. What is prophecy? Uh, uh, it's it's something prophet do. Like what? Well, like, like he's a messenger. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Messenger and prophet are two different things. Any one of us can be a messenger, by the way. If Brother Kevin right now sit in his office and I say, Brother, go tell uh, Brother Kevin, you somehow needed uh, some water before the second service because he's losing his voice, okay? You're going to go tell him that, guess what? You are a messenger because you carry a message from me to somebody else. But what is a prophet? Do you know if Muslims know the real meaning for the word prophet? I'm not kidding you they will leave Islam. The reason they believe in Muhammad to be a prophet because they do not know what prophet is. Jesus was a prophet. What prophecy can you share with me about Jesus which make you believe that he was a good prophet or he is a good prophet? Well, there's so many things, you know, but, but I don't really know one exactly. I said, let me share with you one. And Jesus said, the Son of Man talking about himself, will be given to, see, I don't even have to ask for water. Look at this. Thank you, sir. The Son of Man will be given to the Gentiles. Not to the Jew, to the Gentiles. And they will beat him. They will mock him. They will crucify him. He will be buried. And on the third day, I will raise him up. Jesus said that. You put this body down, and on the third day, I, I, Jesus, will raise him up. Do you believe in the death, the crucifixion, the death, and the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior Jesus? No. Therefore, we come to the final conclusion. Here is the third test. Eh, Jesus is not a good prophet. He's a false prophet. Why Jesus is Jesus a false prophet? Because the prophet's a alive. He cannot be a good prophet when he said he will die, and you believe he never died. He cannot be a good prophet when he said he rose again, and he never rose from the dead. What kind of prophet is this? A, a false prophet. So, my dear friends, when we talk to Muslim about Jesus, when we talk to Muslim about the Bible, when we talk to Muslim about sin or the cross or Christian, or eternal life. None of these words have the same understanding, the same meaning, the same belief, what we believe. Don't assume because a Muslim say to you, here's what we Muslim believe, that that's the end of it. Dig deep, go to the bottom. What is sin in Islam? There's no sin in Islam. Think, adultery is sin. That's in Christianity, not in Islam. In Islam, a Muslim man can be involved with unlimited number of women. You can have prostitution in Islam. You can marry a woman for five minutes, or for five hours, or a couple of days. It's halal. It is marriage in Islam. It's Called the wajil muta, the marriage for fun. Muhammad practiced it. Early Muslim believers practiced it. Until until today, Muslim and Shia Muslim countries marriage, marry women for fun, just for temp. It's called temporary marriage. Could be for literally a few minutes, or a few days, or a few weeks. That's adultery. How about stealing? Oh. In the Bible, take something that does not belong to you. That's stealing. In Islam, it is lawful and good. How about killing? In the Bible, literally to hate your brother for no cause, you commit murder. In Islam, kill them whenever you find them. besiege them and lay wait for them with every kind of ambush. And we can go on and on and on, talk about what we know to be sin. In Islam, it's not sin. There is no sin in Islam, period. Trust me. That's why we ask Muslims, show me. One sin, Muhammad did not commit. Everything we know to be wrong in the Bible, Muhammad did commit. But in their mind, because Allah gave him the permission, Allah blessed him to privileges more and above the normal Muslims, therefore Muhammad did not commit any sin. Because Muslims do not know what sin is so if we understand sin and we can share with the Muslim people the truth about sin and the wages of sin is death maybe by talking about sin we can understand the reason for why we need Jesus because he's the Savior who will save us from our sin because the wages of sin is death somebody have to die I will die or God Almighty sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for myself and that will make Jesus make sense because even his name means Savior you don't understand sin you don't need a savior I'm just give you a quick introduction to our study and and Kevin told me you got three minutes haven't even start talking what is wrong with your clocks I'm gonna take them battery out of this clocks before we we'll start here but uh, we'll, we'll stop and we we'll stop here. By, by the way by the way don't be surprised when you read your children textbooks when the textbook talks about eternal life. Muslims in America talk about eternal life. You know why? Because they know American people understand eternal life. They will tell you, Muslims believe when they die, they will be, some of them will be punished, like all the people of the world, and some will have eternal life. They actually use the two words, eternal life, in our textbooks to teach our children about Islam. Even though the word eternal life, never mentioned in the Quran, never mentioned Muhammad teaching, but Muslims are getting ahead of us, they get smart, they are using our languages, they're using our word to communicate to us, even though they themselves have no clue what is eternal life. Amen? We're going to stop to start our worship, and Brother Kevin, to- five more minutes? Kill it. <laughs> and we- we'll-, we'll continue with our study. By the way, where I'm going to stop in the, second, in the next service here, that's where I'm going to start tonight. So do not miss it tonight. And I hope and I pray, bring some friends with you tonight. I'm serious. So many churches do not have evening service, and I would love to have as big a crowd as we can here tonight. Make some phone calls, swing by your neighbor, bring them in your car, and let's fill this house. And if nobody show up, I can speak to my special friend Kevin and Becky tonight. Or be three of us, all right? But we'll see what we're all going to do. Let's pray. And Father God, we give thanks to you because of your uh, great calling in our life. The great commission to go to the end of the world and share the gospel with our lost Muslim people. You made it much easier, Lord, by bringing them here to America. We're so lazy to go to their homeland, but you brought them here. But sadly, we're not really ready, we're not really educated, we're not really excited, we're not really interested to go to our neighbors who live with us here in Texas. There are thousands and thousands of Muslims live in Texas. These Muslims are sick with the disease of Islam. And if we do not love them and lead them out of Islam to the truth of the gospel, most likely they will be the fathers or the grandfathers of the children who will be destroyed in America. Help us, Lord, to truly love them in your love, that we may lead them to your love, that they may accept your love and become a new believers, a new Christian. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. This ministry of the uh, Witness the Muslim its like, like it's, to me, it's like a workshop. Have you been to college? You do a workshop? The workshop is you actually read three, four books before you start the workshop it's just one week. You're going to get three hours in one week. You actually write a couple of paper, one before the class, and one you submit after the class. Two paper about the subject, which you study in the workshop, and you get just three hours. Sometimes I believe the church want me to go, and they said, Brother Usama, come share with us about ministering to the Muslim and witness to the Muslim, and they gave me a good 35 minutes. And then, I'm not kidding. At this happy minute time, the preacher stand up here. They go to the wonderful singing. And we got 30 in the in the next time, whatever time the Lord, he's going to teach us how to miss the Muslim people, how to win them to Jesus, and how and how and how in 35 minutes. I can even introduce myself in 35 minutes. We need to learn. How many of you got my copy of the Quran? Put your hand up. If you got the orange copy. Oh, keep your hand up. How many of you read the whole book? Oh, one why not the rest of the church get the copy of the Quran do you know that maybe just I'm just saying maybe you'll never see me again no because Jesus is coming back I'm not kidding in my way to Missouri I maybe get on a car accident or in my next week engagement somebody will visit me with a bullet so you'll never see me again which means by the way maybe these books will not be put in the front of the foyer next time because I'm not gonna be here next time can you imagine? You learn about Islam, seeing me, spoken in church for all these years, support my ministry all these years, and you never read the book, which is A of ministering to the Muslim people. First, learn what they believe. Read the book. I hope and I pray, before you leave today, get a copy of the Quran. Maybe get two. One for you and one for your brother-in-law, some friend somewhere else for Christmas. Yeah? We're going to give a Quran for Christmas? Yes, indeed. Trust me. That would be the perfect gift for such time as this, for the American people to be educated about the cult of Islam. Oh, Brother Sam I did not bring any money with me. I never asked for money. Sometime next year, not this Christmas, next Christmas. Between here and next Christmas, send me your 20 bucks. It's a donation anyway. If you need all this material, help yourself. Take all the material. Once a month, send $5 a month. Sometime in the next two years, you're going to pay it off. $5 a month. Who does not drink coffee in this house? I go to Starbucks, and the lady said, do you like to have coffee? Shall I you a of it's a big name. I said, no, I just want to have a black cup of coffee. Cafe, I'll add some cream from outside. Why? Because when you add the champagne, it's now $4.95. I just like coffee. Black like coffee. Okay? So, if you can drink a cup of coffee once a month, you can afford to get all this material outside and study it and share it with others and just send the ministry $5 a month next year, year and a half. Something happened and you lost your job and you don't have $5. Don't worry, it's a gift from the ministry to you. Thank you for taking the material and studying it. And I'm not joking. I'm serious. Because people, well, I don't have the check. Just take the material, study, educate yourself and educate others. Sometime in the future, you inherited a rich uncle, send us a hundred bucks. okay? I will take your hundred bucks. Let's move on. Things Muslim believe about Christianity that are not true. We need to learn these things. Remember this guy I talked to you earlier who left the Bible because he believed that the God of the Bible cannot be the true God after all, he does not know. When he asks question, he does not know. Things Muslims believe about Christianity that are not true. There are things Muslims believe about Islam that are not true. You think in your head, if he's a Muslim, he knows Islam. No, you're wrong. You'll be shocked if you can educate yourself on the subject of Islam just by reading these few books I wrote for you. They're out, there are five of them small two booklets, and some DVDs. If you just study this, you can go online and get even much better, much powerful material than mine. Mine is written for people who does not speak good English, okay? Simple people, you can learn it. But if you have your master's degree, your doctorate degree, there may be more books out there more powerful than mine. But if you study this material I have outside, trust me, you will be talking to Muslims and you will be shocked to your bone to know that there are Muslims in America who have no idea what's in Islam. You'll be more scholar than most Muslim imams in America. I just met with a Muslim imam, I told you, in uh, St. Cloud. The man does not speak Arabic. The man does not know a word in the Arabic language. And he preached to the Muslim, imam, the Muslim believers in Minnesota. What kind of leader when he never read the Quran in the Arabic language? Now, when you read my English translation of the Quran, guess what? You got not only a perfect translation of the air in the Quran from Arabic to English. You got another hundred pages worth of material. The bold statement I have before these passages. Now you know much better than most Muslim imam in America. And they, you think that Muslims know Islam? There are plenty of things in Islam Muslims do not believe. And by the way, believe it or not. There are two reasons why Muslims leave Islam in the world. All my Muslim friends, who my minister was now, just last night I was with uh, my friend Adam Seeker, whom I'm gonna see next week in New York. That guy became a Christian. Like the rest of the Muslims whom I know who became a Christian, all of them became a Christian because they studied the Quran. Reason number one: why Muslims leave Islam because they study the Quran, which American people do not bother to read yet. We send it. To so all our legislators, as I shared with you before, if I remember, I sent the Quran to every congressman, to every senator, to every governor, to the high supreme justice, and all, all the important people in this country. They all got my Quran, and I thought, whoa, they're going to get the Quran. Can you imagine the first few weeks after I sent the Quran? I was so excited. The Lord brought me here to America to save America. That our legislators now they're going to know what's in the Quran, and they say like. Thomas Jefferson did 200 years ago. No, we're not going to give America the Muslims. We're going to protect our country. We're going to lead them to Christ or we're going to kick them out of here. That's what's in my mind. I was so excited for a few weeks until I started receiving the response of the of your, your legislators. The Democrat, dumb Democrat, some of them sent the Quran back. Sorry, we do not take gifts from people out of our district. Really? If the Saudi king sent these garbage senators, and and congressman and congresswoman a copy of the Quran from Saudi Arabia, not from America. I was in Florida, okay? Florida is part of America. If the Saudis sent the same copy from Saudi Arabia, the king, will they send it back? Just use your imagination. No, they will take it. And the Republican, I love the Republican. I got the letters, I have them at home. Gold, nice colors from the state of blah blah blah. The guy in Texas, your governor, whatever. All this and he, thank you, Mr. dacto we appreciate your holy Quran. We will cherish it. We will keep it in our library. I said, read the book, stupid. I did not call it holy. You cannot call the Quran holy unless there physically a big hole in every copy. It's an unholy book. It's called the generous Qur'an, not the Holy Qur'an. I don't want you to cherish it. I want you to read it. That's why I'm upset about the few hands which you raised up this morning. You got the book and you never read it. How good is this? You got food in the fridge and you're starving. There are things Muslims do not know about Islam and we cannot share this Them, unless we know it, that's why we need to study what that's why we need things that are missing from Islam. You may assume, as Muslims always claim, they got it all, they got the Old Testament, and they got the New Testament, and they got the message of Islam through Prophet Muhammad. They actually believe Islam is a replacement of Judaism and Christianity. Because in Islam, you got all what you need to know about Judaism, the true way. All the things which you need to know about Christianity, the true way. And you got the final message of Allah through his prophet Muhammad. But in reality, there's so much much material, plenty of material are missing from Islam and Muslims. There are things that are denied in Islam. 100%, it's no-no. But if you talk to Muslims, you may think that they actually believe in everything they deny. Why? Because there are two two type of Muslims: those who are deceived Muslims, and they will tell you, "We we actually believe in that," and people they don't—they're deceived. They lie to you. They've been been lied to. They have been deceived into things that Islam deny, and they will tell you they believe in it. And there are those who are deceiver Muslim imam. Trust me, there is not yet in America. I met with a decent. Muslim imam. Like a pastor in a church, imam, leader for the Muslims. Because they all know Islam very well, but they are doing one thing in America. Deceiving the American people. Deceiving the church. That's what they're doing. We got videos online. Go and watch imams talking in churches. Like, you think you're listening to some Baptist minister, Brother Kevin Inman, is speaking in the church. I mean, literally, you will you hear their prayer in our Congress, and our Senate meetings When they bring this Muslim imam, I, one time on my radio program, I'm not kidding you, Though I, I used to do it radio, now it's radio and TV. Join me Saturday night from 9 to 11. 9 to 11, you can watch me live 9 to 11, straightway YouTube, straightway YouTube. Yo, send me an email, get one of my business cards, and I'll send you the link, just click on it, and you'll be with me live every Saturday. So one of my Saturday nights, I played a preacher who was asked, who was asked to uh, pray for the uh, Congress, the uh, Sister Nancy Pelosi, bless her, Lord Jesus. I love her so much. So she got that preacher to preach, to pray. And man, after I finished the prayer, I asked the people, how do you like this prayer? Oh, you saw me. That was a good prayer. That was a wonderful prayer. Literally, it was biblical prayer from a Muslim imam only difference between how he ended this prayer and how I ended this prayer he said in your name oh, oh in your name oh God Almighty will pray I will say in Jesus name I pray amen that same prayer he's like copying one of my prayers and he put it and ended in the name of Almighty God amen or in your in you in you oh God Almighty I, I pray amen how in the world Muslim imam pray like a Baptist preacher because they know how to deceive stupid Americans By doing that, <clears throat> these things, few, uh, there are many more stuff you can talk about. That's how much we need to know to be able to share the gospel with Muslims. Can you imagine sharing the gospel with Muslims without knowing the, two, the four top steps? What you're doing? Let me teach you how to drive a car, yeah? Uh, I don't know what I should do with this key. Uh, the key is supposed to put in the ignition. Wait, where is the ignition? I don't know where is the ignition. Oh, and you're going to teach me how to drive? You hold the key in your hand, you don't know what to do with the key. But in the same time, you're going to teach me how to drive. That's exactly what we're doing in America. We know nothing, but we're going to fly an airplane. Good luck. Islam, my friends, is a huge building. Islam is 114 chapter, 114 store. Of a building, you see, Muslim man or woman is down here. This is this is the Muslim guy here, the Muslim lady, and all this is built on the top of him. And we have to remove all this building to get to the Muslim guy to literally build him in the body of Christ. How are we going to take the Quran? You know, I made enough mistakes. I can tell you, this seminar really is about how I made a mistake, and I don't want you to repeat it. I ministered to many Muslim people in the first few years when I came to America. And I did a great job even on, I used to do Pal Talk. If you don't know, know what Pal Talk is, Pal Talk is a, it's a chat room online where you talk with people. And I used to, Vicky would tell you, uh, that's before I started this ministry, for the first 10 years after I came to America. Because I used to do it in Egypt. But in Egypt you do it when you're nervous. You're always worried. Some, friends say, USAMA, they can track you on the computer and they can find out where you're at. And they can come and arrest you. No kidding. That's what's in my mind. Now I am 20 years old. I've been doing that for three years or so, and I'm worried. Minister Muslim people on the computer. I don't yell like I do in America. I have to speak soft because I'm afraid. What if somebody walk in the street, hear me, and they say, "Hey, this is a guy insulting Muhammad inside the church." So that's how I used to do it. I came to America. Now I'm free. I can do whatever I want. And boy, all night long, I'm, God is my witness. Vicky's here. She's still alive. Call her. So I come from work at uh, 8 o'clock in the evening, and uh, I eat dinner, and then I go online sometime 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Sometime I didn't sleep. I finish ministry online, and I go paint the rest of the day. That's in Florida. And man, I'm tired, exhausted. And I I, I hate it because we're supposed to be different is different leaders. I'm supposed to work for three hours. I'm waiting for the guy who will take over from me. So now it's 2 o'clock. Now it's 3 o'clock, now it's 4 o'clock, some Muslim came in, I'm arguing with him for another 2-3 hours, I look outside, the sun shines, I need to go work. And nobody took over, and many times I quit. I said, I'm not going to do this ministry. You promised me to send somebody to me, because we don't want to close the room, we need to leave the room 24 hours, open. You promised send somebody to me, and nobody show up. I lose my voice, I get tired of arguing with the Muslim people, I want to quit. What I did is I destroyed Islam by proving to the Muslims that Islam is not true. The Quran cannot be true as we're gonna share with you, we gonna share with you tonight, Lord's willing. But guess what? I helped the Muslims to leave Islam, dying as an atheist to spend eternity in hell number two. No, there's only one hell. Believe it or not, Muslims through our ministry in the beginning, before I get to know how to do it better, left Islam. To die to spend eternity with Muhammad in the same hell. I made them atheist. It's very easy. Trust me. If you read the Quran, there's enough error. Just follow my bold statement. Some of the errors there. Share these with the Muslim. If you befriend the Muslim, be good with the Muslim, and get to share with him. hey, I read the Quran. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Sure. Sit and talk with him and talk with him. And he will go back to the Quran. And he say, whoa, that's the Quran. The Quran teaches that, the Quran teaches that, Muhammad did that, Muhammad said that, Allah said that, now you let them out of Islam to is Why? Because it is so hard. When you know your father and your grandfather and grand- great-grandfather are burning in hell, and you continue with this saying, you're gonna be a Muslim, you know what? Maybe there is no God, religion is just man-made thing. That is the end of my ministry to these early, Muslim minister in the early days. They've been deceived all these years, and they already believe Christianity is not true. They only believe everything we know about the Bible, as we saw in the first video, is not true. So why do I need even God? It's all made up stuff. Made up by men. And I literally say, man, I got to convince him. Islam is not true. But same time, I never led them to Christ. I was doing it wrong. So what I want to do is, before I destroy that building, the Quran, I want to lead the Muslim to believe in my Bible. Well, Nothing I can say about the Bible from my Bible will make them believe in the Bible. Except, I can use now the Quran to show them from the Quran many of the verses in the Quran which will assure them that the Bible is the perfect Word of God. Not only is it perfect, it will always be perfect. Using what? The Quran. Why do I do that? Why ministers of Muslim people using the Quran because I believe the Quran? No, I'll be very clear with them from the beginning. I don't believe in the Quran. So why are you using my Quran? Because you believe in your Quran. And emphasize on that as many times as you can to repeat yourself. I don't believe in the Quran, but I'm using the Quran. Remember, because you believe in the Quran. You told me the Quran is perfect. You told me the Quran is pure. You told me the Quran is holy. You told me the Quran. Now let's use the Quran to prove to you that my Bible is perfect. Oh, you can't do that. Yes, indeed I can. There were like uh, 12, 13 doctors from Saudi Arabia in my last trip in Egypt. We all got stuck in the Sheraton Hotel, fancy hotel. I normally don't stay in that hotel in Egypt. I stay in family and relatives' homes. But because we have some American missionaries, we have to put them in a safe hotel so nobody kidnaps them for a few thousand bucks. And the riots were outside the hotel. And the police will not allow anybody from the hotel to leave or literally unless you have any proof. And when I tried to get to the hotel, that's where I'm sleeping. I said, sir, sir, where are you going? Get out of here. I said, no, no, I'm going inside the hotel. Why? What do you say? What? Uh, uh, you know, I said, I'm sleeping in the hotel. That's where my room is. Show me any idea on you. That in the years where America have respect. I got my blue passport. America. Ah, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. A guy was too smart uh, apologizing me because I got the U.S. passport. Today, you guys the U.S. passport in the world, they spit on you, they laugh at you. Why? you're American? And infidel too? Things change around the world. While the American in a coma. You know we have zero respect around the world. But anyway, so I go to the hotel, I meet with this uh, doctors. Long night, long story, I can share it with you some other time. But the last question I received almost 4 o'clock in the morning. We're in the hotel, we're not going anywhere. Three days. And the doctor, his name is Dr. Ahmed. He's a physical doctor from Saudi Arabia. He said, can you prove to me that the Bible is the perfect word of God, never been changed or corrupted? Boy, oh boy. What a question. I said, sure. Do you have a couple hours? He said, no, no, no. Five minutes. I said, I have in my program here, in my computer, a presentation which is called has the Bible been corrupted? By the way, it's available outside on the video. Has the Bible been corrupted? And I said, You need only, you only give me five minutes to answer that important question? He said, Yeah, five minutes enough. I said, Do you know if I can prove to you that the Bible is the perfect word of God, that means you kiss Islam and Muhammad and the Quran goodbye? That's how important that question is. Do you know that if I can prove to you, he said, Well, prove it. I said, I need two hours. He said, we don't have two hours. It's four o'clock. I said, then let me just quote you a couple of verses from the Quran. I'm not kidding you. You can see these people mouth drop. You're going to use a couple of verses from the Quran to prove to me that the Bible is the perfect word of God. I said, well, I need two hours because I actually got 40 verses from the Quran, but I'm going to quote you just a couple. I'm not kidding you. I answered the question, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit here, by quoting a couple of verses from the Quran, and then I told these doctors, they were all, at this time, I was 35 years old, and they were all in their 40s, maybe 50s, all older than me, and I told them, here's my advice to you, before you leave Cairo, before you go to Saudi Arabia, that was 17 years ago, guys, before you leave Cairo, go to the Bible store here, It's called uh, Whatever name that Bible story, famous one, I said, grab yourself a Bible, hide it in your clothes. Say, Nam, I'm 30 years old, I'm talking serious, I'm, I'm I'm not mocking them. Hide it in your clothes and take it with you to Saudi Arabia because you know if your government find you, find a Bible in your bag, they're gonna take it away from you and they may arrest you. And they were quiet, they don't argue with me because you know in Saudi Arabia it is illegal for you to carry a Bible in Saudi Arabia. And I said, when you take it home and read it through, because I asked him, how many of you read the Bible? Yeah, not one. Doctors, 40s and 50s old, believed all their life The Bible is corrupted. Not one of them read I said, you, you know for sure it's corrupted without even reading it. That's very smart, isn't it? And then after you read it, when you take it home, and you find that it's not true, and it's full of holes, like you've been always taught in your life, just burn it. You guys are rich. You can afford to buy a Bible, cost two dollars. Now, how many praise that some of them did that? Otherwise, it was a waste of four hours speaking with them, five hours. I have no idea. Start living, living to four o'clock. And I don't think this was coincidence. Maybe God meant it for me to so be stuck in that hotel with these doctors to answer the question. So here it is the Quran teach about the Bible? The Bible cannot be corrupted; it is perfect word of God. So, let me quote with you what Doctor Amir Ali said in his book. By the way, this DVD available outside; you can get the DVD and watch it later. The whole thing. Listen, to what the Muslim said.
1: In the case of the Old Testament, it was written in Hebrew, but was destroyed at least twice by the enemies of Judaism without leaving a single copy, and was rewritten from memory, one of the sources of corruption.
0: I'm amazed. How in the world you can destroy a book twice without leaving a single copy? Don't you think you need a copy, at least a good one, so you can destroy it the second time? You're not catching what he said here. That's a doctor. A man have a doctorate degree and he said it was written from memory one of the sources of corruption Do you know how the quran was written from memory we cover this in our presentation is the quran in power? the entire quran was written from memory and we that's one of the reasons why we have missing many verses of the quran because many of those who memorize portions of the quran were killed in the war of apostasy, that's when the Muslims were fighting the thousands of people who left Islam the day Muhammad died. Not a week later, the day Muhammad died. So Those are fighting each other and many of these people will drop dead and when you memorize a portion from the Quran and you're dead, that portion of the Quran go, <sharp inhale> goodbye. But somehow they were able to put whatever they can collect from the people's heart and other material as well and put in the Quran. And they say, as Muslim scholars said, when people used to go to Zaid ibn Sabbath, the man who's in charge of collecting the Qur'an. And one guy, he said, I remember. He said, I remember they used to be in the Qur'an. And he would quote a passage, uh, five verses, ten verses, you know. I said, okay, uh, keep remembering now. Find somebody else who remember, Because they need two witnesses for the same passage. And he said, oh yeah. So he said, oh, Brother Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, you know. Look, oh, Muhammad Ali was killed last week. Uh, but Brother Hussein Ab Samia, Hussein Ab Samia, oh, he was killed last month. Um, oh, he was killed this morning. And they could not find a second, and that portion which he remembered was never added to the Quran. So, in the case of the Bible, when you rewrite it from the memory, it is a source of corruption, but the entire Quran was written from the memory, and that's okay. That's obviously if you believe that lie same doctor a little bit later it would tell us that the earliest copy we have of the bible is in the fourth century wait a minute fourth century that's the earliest copy that means it was not destroyed that means there was at least one copy by the way we have thousands over 6000 copy before the fourth century but that's okay we got a copy in the fourth century when did muhammad wrote his quran in the seventh century so 300 years later muhammad in the quran Braising my Bible, speaking highly of my Bible. Thank you, Dr. Amir. What a dumb doctor. (laughs) He's stupid. We ask the question. When? When the Bible is destroyed. I've been writing I'm right now actually uh, uh, doing a radio program on VCY. How many of you listen to me every day? Radio? VCY? You guys all have smart apps, uh, phones, uh, uh, downloads the app, VCY America. Go to my website, and when you're down BCY, you can listen to me every day at 12.30. You know, you know what I love about Christian America and Church in America? I don't have to say nothing. Let's move on. Guys, 12.30 is a perfect time for Texican. You know why? Because even if you're working, that's a lunch time. You can always listen to me while you're eating your lunch. And then you see, oh, this is your summer Dak talk. If you're sending somebody... This is the guy who comes speak in our church. That's the guy we support. He's our missionary. I am your missionary. You don't listen to me on every day. You don't watch me on TV on Saturdays. And you don't read my books. But I am your missionary. If that's the case of the church in America, what is going on in this country? I hope I'm not hurting your feelings. Because if I do, I'm glad. Guys, get serious. Other churches will not have me. Period. I call them, and I call them, and I call them, no thank you, no thank you, please don't call us back again. Baptist churches in America, and you are my home church. When I come here, when I go to Brother Kevin home, I feel like I got a brother here, I enjoy him with and wife and the two beautiful daughters, and I come to church, man, I'm home, I'm back here. But you don't even know me, do you? Download the app, BCY America, listen to me every day, 12:30. After listening to me for four or five days, you don't like me, don't listen again, just okay, try me for a week. Okay, now, when it was destroyed, why I'm talking about the radio program, because right now I'm doing a study by the man, his name Dr. Jamal Amr. The name of his book, The Road to Hypocrisy for the Copticus Dogs. Brother Kevin helped me yesterday to edit five, Sister Becky helped me to edit two more programs, seven programs. And in his book, he mocked these questions. He said, oh, a Christian missionary would tell you when, where, well, how, why the Bible is destroyed. These are stupid questions, and there is no answer for them. No, it's very important. Why? If you tell me that the Bible was destroyed before Muhammad, we have a problem. Why? Because Muhammad told us in the Quran that in his days, the Bible was perfect. That's 620 years after Christ. If you told me it was destroyed after Muhammad, we have a problem. Why? Because the Quran said the Bible will never be changed, will never be corrupted. Either way, you can kiss Islam goodbye by answering the question, when? When the Bible was destroyed? Where? Or who? Who destroyed it? In his slide, which we passed, he said, some of the enemy of Judaism. Do they have a name? Who are they? Enemy? I can tell you, one of the seven wonders of the world, is called the Library of Alexandria. Have you heard of it? It was destroyed in September in the year 641 by the Muslims. Omar and his army went to the Library of Alexandria, and they found that there are books, holy books in it. And they told him, oh, Prince of Allah, there is manuscripts. You know how many manuscripts were in the Library of Alexandria? You know how many great books you cannot buy by any trillions of dollars? Today, if you have the money, you could not buy it. He said, burn it. They have Bibles, he said, burn it. If the truth in these books, we already have it in the Quran. If there are falsehoods in these books, burn it anyway. And the Muslims burn the Library of Alexandria, one of the seven wonders of the world, 641 in September. How do I know that? Because facts, history. Some of the enemies of Judaism, we don't know when, we don't know who, destroy the Bible twice without leaving a single copy. Where? Which Part of the Bible was destroyed. Are you talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the writing of Isaiah, the writing of David, the writing of Jeremiah, the, the writing of Ezekiel, the writing of Matthew. I mean, we got 66 books of which part of these books did they destroy everything? Okay, they destroy everything. In every country in the world, in all the language of planet Earth, 1947, great discovery, Dead Sea Scrolls. They were discovered by a shepherd Muslim boy, and they found, oh, 38 of the books of the Old Testament, 38, than far Old Testament except the book of Esther. And the Muslims' eye got this big. We got the real Bible, we're going to compare it to the hogwash Bibles they have today. And guess what? 100% perfect match. That goes to Jesus' days. That is 600 years before Muhammad was a gleam in his father's eye. Perfect match what we have today. So, who changed these copies to? So, if you say Muhammad came and he came with the truth and he exposed the, the Christian falsehood and Jewish falsehood, that means, you know, uh, if you go to some of these old books we discovered today, you find, oh, Muhammad is right. Yes, indeed. Now I have one son and that son drowned in the flood. Mm-hmm. Nope. Even that old manuscript said, Noah had three sons, and the same names we got in our Bible, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, three daughters-in-law, eight people got saved, not 124 or whatever number Muslim scholars come up with. And where Noah's Ark rested, oh, that old copy, 1947, which go back to Jesus' days, it was rested on one of the mountains of Ararat, that's in Turkey. Guess where we found the boat, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, just years ago? On Mount Arath, not on the Mount of Judy, as Allah mentioned in the Quran. Some mountain in Saudi Arabia. It's a joke. The Quran is a joke. But where? Which part of the Bible? Which country? What language? Because the Bible in Muhammad days, it was in many languages. Let me remind you, first preaching of Brother Peter, Apostle Peter, he actually brought the message in 17 languages. Plus Hebrew, that's 18. Go to Act 2, okay? Act 2, 18 languages, Christianity spread. On one day, 3,000 people got saved from 18 countries around the world in 18 languages. The following day, 2,000 more got saved. Now we're 5,000, just day two. And they all got baptized, and they all carried the the truth of the gospel. And I guarantee you, in Muhammad's days, the Bible was in more than Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, other languages. As a matter of fact, we know it was in our Coptic language. Which, by the way, is burned? The original manuscript was burned. Why? Why in the world some enemy of Judaism burn their books? Why some enemy of Christianity, sorry, the destroy their books, write it different and corrupt it? Why some enemy of Christianity would destroy our Bibles? What are you going to gain? What is the benefit? Simple questions, no answer. Was a Muslim believer. Now we gone for sure there is an assumption that the Bible has been corrupted without any proof, without any verification. It's just made up. It's a lie. Muslims said it, and it was big enough, and they kept repeating it, and now 1.7 billion Muslims in the world believe that the Bible has been corrupted. And sadly, we as a Christian do not know how to prove to them that the Bible is the perfect word of God what Allah about this presentation, has the Bible been corrupted? We can use the Quran to prove to our dear Muslim friends, no, you're wrong. Listen to this verse, Quran chapter 16, verse 43. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of this presentation. You want to learn more? Get my DVD and watch it. And we did
1: not send before you any except men that we inspired. So ask the people
0: of the reminder if you were not knowing. Allah is telling Muhammad, "We is Allah did not send before you, Muhammad, any except men that we inspired." So we can go to First Peter. We can go to uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Apostle Paul talking about that. Also, in I can't remember where, where we know all Scripture is inspired by the word of God. We can we can prove from the Bible. But when you prove from the Bible to the Muslims, you're using a corrupt book to prove to them it's not corrupted. doesn't make any sense. So what I want to do is I want to use their Quran, which they believe in to be the perfect word of Allah. And here we go. All the men who came before Muhammad were inspired. So we got 40 guys in the Old and New Testament. All of them were inspired. And then Allah told Muhammad, eh? what? He said, so as the people of the reminder. If you were not knowing, you don't know? Ask the Jews. You don't know? Ask the Christians. About what? About their books. Which books? The inspired books. By who? By the inspired men. That's all I want to get out of that verse. Okay? We're not proving anything yet. Okay? Let's move on. Next verse: Quran chapter 6 and verse 34. Listen
1: and indeed the messengers before were considered liars so they were patient on being considered liars and they were until our victory came to them and no one can change the words of Allah and indeed
0: some of the news of the messengers came to you remember in the previous verse Allah said the men who came before Muhammad were inspired and all the men who came before Muhammad in the book of the reminder were inspired now He's telling the messengers who came before you, they were considered alive. People did not believe them. But they were patient. And they were harmed until our victory came to them. And then Allah said what? And no one, that means what in English? When I say no one, means what? No one. Good. All right. No one can change the word of Allah. Which word of Allah? The word which he inspired. By who? By the men who inspired. Which men? The men who wrote the Bible. How many? The 41. If Allah said the Bible is my inspiration and it is my word, and if the Quran says, No one can change my word, you know what that means? It means the Bible is perfect. Using the Quran to prove my point. Let's go to another verse. One more verse. Okay. Well, no, heard it 15 verse 9. Surely we have sent down the reminder, and surely we will be its guardian. Allah in the, Himself in the Quran, Allah Himself says, We, Allah, that's how Allah speaks about Himself. He likes to he use we, and by the way, He used I as well. Send down the reminder. Al Zikr, same word. And surely we will be its guardian. Who is responsible to protect the Bible? The Christian, the Jews, no, 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 the giver of the reminder is the one who have full responsibility to protect his word, his inspiration, the Bible, says who? Allah in the Quran, is there anybody stronger than Allah as the Muslim man, Muslim woman, man, sir, do you know anybody can be stronger than Allah? Well, Allah is the strongest, Allah is the mighty, Allah is this, Allah is, a good, good, so no, no no, man, no no one can change his word, yeah, no one can take over Allah and change it. no you can't, he gives a reminder, and he's the one who protects the reminder, it's inspired word of Allah by inspired men, and no one can change it, you follow me so far, I'll give you one more verse, one more verse, here we go, 1094,
1: so if you were in doubt concerning what we have sent down to you so ask those who are reading the book before you indeed the truth came to you from your lord so do not be of the doubters
0: allah is speaking to muhammad and he's telling muhammad muhammad have a problem he many times he doubt he's a prophet many times he doubt that he's in, he's insane and he thought, he thought he's crazy and he saw his demon, bizarre. but see, Allah said, if you, Muhammad, doubting what we sent down, the Quran, what do you do? Okay, so ask those Jews and Christians who are reading the book, not who read the book, who are reading the book, present tense. This was written, ladies and gentlemen, around 620 years after Christ, 620, 630, okay, Was in 10 years. The Jews and the Christian hold the book in their hand because you can't read a book you don't have. Oh, have you read the uh, Pastor Kevin? Have you read my new book? Yeah, you some. I, I'm reading it. Uh, when did you got? I never have it. Excuse me. What? You're reading a book you don't have. You to read a book you must have it in your hand, which means the Bible. The Bible in Muhammad's days was available for the Jews and the Christian because you can't read the book you don't have. That's number one. Fact number one, the Bible was there. Fact number two, the Bible was perfect. Why? Because Allah, all-knowing, would never advise Muhammad to check his Quran, which he's doubting in by a corrupt book. As a matter of fact, have the Bible was corrupted in Muhammad days, and I am Allah, I tell Muhammad, don't you dare check your book by the corrupt book of the Bible. It's corrupted. There's not one verse in the Quran Muslim can use to prove to us that the Bible has been changed or has corru- or have been corrupted. But I got plenty of verses. Okay? Get the DVD and watch it. Where we know for sure. The Bible was there. The Bible was perfect as we have read so far in these few verses. So, these are things Muslims believe about Christianity is not true. And by the way, I said things. I only covered one thing, the Bible. There are plenty of things Muslims believe about Christianity is not true, and we need to learn all these things. That's why you need to study and read on your own. Attending, my uh, even if we do the workshop, and all day long, at the end of the day, I just open your eyes to learn about things you need to study, things you need to learn. I'm not teaching you the whole thing. It's like, literally, if you want to be go in depth, uh, you need to read, not just these few books I have on the table, more books. The more you know, the better you equip to reach out to the last Muslim. You cannot witness the Muslims like uh, boiling eggs. It's more of it it's like literally cooking a meal from scratch. You have to figure out the way to clean a piece of dirt so you can plant the corn, so you can grow the corn so you can make the flour to make the bread. And that is one item of the meal. You have to grow up the chicken so you can take some eggs to make more chicken. Now you take the older chicken and you cook it to make the chicken. Or you have to grow the cow. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's not going to McDonald's and get a sandwich for, uh used to be $3.99. Now, 10.99. dollars okay? A sandwich. $10.99. God bless O'Biden. He's fixing in this country very good. Only rich people eat hamburger. Poor and middle class don't eat hamburger anymore. Okay? So, what I'm saying is, the title was, Things Muslims Believe About Christianity Is Not True. I shared only one, the Bible study on your own and learn more. Now, here's what the scripture said: Casting down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Like what? Like, oh, the Quran. We need to take down the Quran, the entire book all the way from top to bottom to get to the foundation because that is the only way we can lead Muslims to Christ. We have to cast down that high place. If you do not remove the Qur'an from the heart and the mind of the Muslim man, they will never accept anything you're going to say about Christianity. We use the Qur'an first to prove to them that the Bible is perfect. That's without any doubt. You can go in depth in it. Now, we're going to use the Qur'an to destroy the Qur'an so we can get to the foundation to lead them to Christ. You have to get rid of all this stuff. Okay? So, let's move on to the next thing, which is things Muslims believe about Islam that are not true. Lots of things Muslims believe about Islam and are not true and how we can know these things is just us studying the Quran, studying that big structure, 114 chapter to destroy it from within. But don't you dare start talking to Muslims about the falsehood of the Qur'an and the falsehood of Muhammad and the falsehood of Islam before you make sure they got the point that the Qur'an assured them that the Bible is perfect. Because otherwise, you're going to do my first mistake, which is lead Muslim atheism. Okay, like what? Here we go. Uh, first one, the Qur'an is the perfect word of Allah. That's very easy. If you just read the Qur'an, you find that it's not perfect. And you can use the Quran to prove to our dear Muslim friends that the Quran is not perfect. Uh, we have this presentation, is the Quran in fable, And in this presentation, I'll go two and a half hours, I believe, you can learn about geographical error of the Quran. Oh, botanical error of the Quran, botanical the study of plants. You see that in the Quran, for example, Allah said that the, the olive tree grow in the top of Mount Sinai. Have you been to Mount Sinai before? It's a granite. Okay? You don't grow olive trees there. Trust me. You don't grow any grass either. Just get a rock in your house and put some seed on top of it and water it every day. See how, how long it takes the seed to grow. It will not grow. Okay, That's why. Granite and it's a burnt mountain. Anyway, so uh, historical errors of the Quran. I mean, the Quran is loaded with historical errors. A Moral error. of the Quran. Literally, everything about morality in Islam is the opposite. As I said earlier, there is no sin in Islam because all sins are lawful. All sins are lawful. Uh, the theological error of the Quran, even, not just the, the denial of the true Christian theology, but the teaching of the theology of Muhammad are wrong. Legal, social errors, man on oh man, lot of help us. Scientific errors of the Quran. I have a uh, brand new study. Remember the guy who was here last time, and the Muslim guy, maybe, he uh, contacted me, Later, that's why I asked uh, uh, Brother Kevin if he, can, he still have his text message, he still has it. He contacted me with a deceptive way. That's how Muslims are. You want to debate me so bad for a long time, I'm ignoring him, because he's nothing. I will not debate a Muslim man who does not read and understand the Arabic language. It's like talking to a child. Grab this little boy here and debate him. You maybe you think you're crazy, or you think he's a scholar. But he's a baby. He does not know what I'm talking about. That's who this gentleman, Nadir, was. So he sent me a father by email. Please, Mr. Dakuk, help me. Help me. My daughter is in love with a Muslim man, and I found out you online, and I really want you to help me. I said, sure, brother. We would love to help. I do this all the time. Would you please? How old is she? She's 18, okay? She live with you? No, no, no. She live uh, in her own. Good, good. Would you please give her my number and ask her to call me? Or when you see her next time, just dial, call my number, and I would love to miss her talk with her. Oh, who we'll would do that? Another email. I'm trying to get her in touch with you, but she does not want. I don't know what to do. Help me. Well, how can I help you? Where are you? He said, I'm in Florida. I said, you know what? i would come to Florida. Hopefully next time when I come to Florida, I can meet with you somewhere, and we can meet with you. No, no, no. Help me. What do you want me to do? Can you at least debate some of these Muslim liars who are lying to her by their deception? Oh, I'd love to do that. That's a good idea. Who do you want me to debate? Is there some Muslim organization and they're doing blah, blah, blah. Okay, okay, okay. I'll debate. For you men, I'll debate them. So we choose the topic of the stages of the growth of a baby inside the mother the embryology how they grow and how Allah how Allah told Muhammad 1400 years ago about these five stages and that is one of the great evidence which Muslims are using today to lead our college kids college kids not stupid high school college kids to Islam so that American becoming Muslim because they learn and they find the miracle of Allah in the Quran, how did Muhammad know these things 1300 years ago? And the Muslims' deceiver used a man by the name Professor Keith Moore. He's a Canadian. And he went in a big conference with all doctors from the Muslim world in Saudi Arabia and he taught them that Muhammad is a prophet because there is no way under the blue sky Muhammad could know this information which we are just discovering today. That was like four years ago, five years ago, whatever it is. Unless he's a true prophet from God, because God revealed these facts about the baby inside the womb 1,400 years ago. So that Muslim guy wants me to debate this Muslim organization on the topic. I said, sure. As a matter of fact, there are stupid six errors, not five stages, huge six errors in the Quran. So I put some information together, and I talked to my buddy, Sam Shamoun. He said, I said, Sam, I'll tra- be traveling, coming to Chicago, but I really need a good place for Internet. He said, yeah, I got strong Internet in my house. Come on down. Actually, you know, it was in his Christian ministry where he does. So I go there, set the computer to do the debate with this Muslim guy to destroy Islam, because I'm not kidding you, six comedies. As a matter of fact, let me give you a quick summary. Inside the mother womb, when a man makes love to the woman, there are two fluids come together. A white fluid come from the man's backbone, and the yellow fluid come from the woman's breast, or some say the bones of her chest. One of the two, these two fluids mix together, and they call this natvah. The Quran name it natvah. These two liquids go inside the mother womb in a secure place for a whole forty. Days without any change. 40 days later, they change to a kinjeel blood. So 80 days, baby inside the mother. There's no baby, it's just kinjeel blood. And the kinjeel blood, another 40 days, 120 days, turned to a piece of flesh. Follow me so far. So 120 do- days thing inside the mother womb is a piece of meat and then the angel of Allah will go inside the womb with a scroll and a pen and he will write in it as he asks Allah the question will it be a boy or a girl? a girl what? a girl i got you a girl will it be happy? will she be happy or miserable? miserable sure miserable and and all these things and then after all this is done the angel will breathe the spirit in that piece of flesh. They call it in Arabic madgha. And then Allah will change it to bones. And the bones He covered with meat and flesh. And the meat and flesh covered with skin. And then it become a new creature. In Islam, you cannot pour the baby up to 120 days. Because up to 120 days, there is no spirit in that piece of flesh. After 120 days, you cannot. You cannot afford the baby because now it's a human. And I compare in my presentation, I'm going to do this with you, Lord's willing, next time. It's a very good study. You love it. we we'll do it in the evening, okay? So we can have a couple nights, a very good couple nights. Now, I sat everything to do the debate with this organization. And me and Sam sitting in Washington computer. Ahmed Nadir, sight. The guy is so stupid, so slick. He wanted to beat me so bad. And I contacted that man again. I said, why do you lie to me? Why do you say you have a daughter, and the daughter is gonna marry a Muslim guy, and you want me to debate this Muslim to prove to her that they're wrong about the miracles of Muhammad, when you are a Muslim yourself? He said, well, we we just have to find one way or another to get you to debate Ahmed Badir. I'm not gonna debate the stupid Ahmed Badir, because he's not a scholar, he's not a Muslim. You know what happened when you debate people who do not speak Arabic? You say, Allah said, no, that's not what Allah said. That's your false translation. What is the point? You might have talk to this little boy here, a little girl here. That means be much better than talk to a smart man who knew nothing about Islam. So there are lots of error, lots of error, including, I mean, you can go for, literally, you know what? Just read the Quran. You found plenty of error. Knowing these facts and share them with the Muslims, now you prove from the Quran that the Bible is the perfect word of God. Now you destroy the Quran, this high building will be taken to the ground by using what's said in the Quran to destroy Islam. I mean, think about it. The earth is flat. And there are actually seven of them. Seven on top of each other. And above the seven earths, there are seven heavens. The sickness of each heaven and each earth is 500 years worth of traveling. And there is space between each earth and the other earth. 500. imagine with me 14 story building, sorry 14, earth, air, earth, air, seven of them, and you go above, heaven, air, heaven, air, and Allah said how great Allah is, who left up the heavens without pillars, because in Islam mind, heaven is a structure, it's like a ceiling, He said, if He will remove His hand, it will fall on us and crush us, who will believe in that book to be true? And the sun set and the muddy spring at night, that's how it gets dark late at night, okay? Plenty of error. So these things Muslim believe about Quran, misconception about Islam, and the Quran is perfect. No, the Quran is not perfect. How about Muhammad is the final prophet of Allah? Every Muslim believes. Just last night, I got a text message, I wish I can put and video, so we can play it for you. That beautiful British woman, she so happy to see the shahada. So he said in Arabic, and she repeats after him: "Ashhadu, Ashhadu, La ilaha, La ilaha illallah, illallah, Ashhadu, Ashhadu, Anna, Anna, Muhammad, Muhammad, Rasulullah, Rasulullah." In English, believe it or not, that idiot who speaks the words in Arabic and she repeats after him does not know the Arabic because he gave her completely different words than that which she said in Arabic. Completely. It's a funny. It is the most comedy. Because he himself does not know what the shahada said. And he's saying some complete different words. But the normal shahada it is. I bear witness there is no God except Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And if you believe that Muhammad is the prophet of Allah. He's the messenger of Allah. You're a Muslim. Can we use the Quran to destroy that claim? Yes indeed. Yes indeed we can to uh, have our presentation Muhammad or Christ, who is greater? And there I ask the question, according to the Quran, can Muhammad be even be a prophet? When I say that question to the Muslims, they laugh. <laughs> the Quran, sure. The Quran says Muhammad the prophet. What do you think? You're out of your mind? For sure Muhammad is a prophet. Can you show me a verse in the Quran to say that Muhammad is a prophet? Well, the whole Quran give me a verse well uh, it's in the quran i know it's in the quran what verse the 114 chapter which chapter do you like what verse do you quote me now i know muhammad the prophet. no no you know what i will quote you a couple of verses from the quran from there i will assure you that muhammad cannot be a prophet using the quran for example quran 45:16. allah said what and indeed we gave the book and the wisdom, and the prophethood
1: to the children of Israel, and we provided them with the good things, and we favored them
0: above the worlds. The Quran said that Allah gave past the book and the wisdom and the prophethood to the children of Israel. Was Muhammad one of the children of Israel? I know Muslims would tell you Muhammad is the son of the descendant of Ishmael, big lie from the bottom of hell. Doesn't work. Why? You go to Genesis chapter 25 and read the first six verses Genesis 25 1 to 6. Surprise, surprise, we learn about another wife for Father Abraham. Her name was Keturah. And Keturah begot a bunch of children, a bunch of grandchildren. And we cannot pronounce these names, we? so we just skip the chapter, okay? No, these are the Arab ancestries. We can tie the children of Katura and Abraham to Arab countries. Sheba. Who is Sheba? Uh, the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of Yemen. That is a lady who traveled all the way from Yemen, where is much, much chaos. By the way, they took over our embassy two days ago, and they're taking our, uh, some of the workers there as hostage. God bless, O'Biden. America is really great again, and uh, Muslims are in power all over the world. Iranian kidnapping workers in the American embassy in Yemen must be good. So, so what we have now, the queen of Yemen traveled all the way from Yemen to meet with Solomon because she heard of his wisdom. The queen of Sheba is an, is a, an Arab queen, okay? Uh, how about Midian? Where did Moses live for 40 years? He lived in Midian. Where is Midian? It's in Saudi Arabia. And Midian is one of the kids of Keturah. How about Shuha? You, know, you heard about Shuha in the Bible? The short guy? Shuha? No? That's a joke? Okay, Shuha Is actually one of, yeah, Brother Kevin said me, me too. Uh, So Shuha is one of Job's friends. Where Job lived, he lived of the same land, the country of the east. Job was an Arab. The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Now, Job was Arab, his friends were Arab, and all these names are Arab, and that's where they lived, the country of the east. These are the descendants of Keturah. So Abraham could not be the descendant of Ishmael. Why? Because in the same Genesis chapter 25, beginning from verse 18 to 23 or 24, somewhere there, you learn about Ishmael and his sons, 12 sons. We don't call them Arabites. No, we call them Ishmaelites. Okay? The Ishmaelites have nothing to do with Arabs. And they live between Havala, which is in front of Egypt, all the way to Assyria. Okay? These are the kingdom of Assyria, where we hear about the king by the name King by the name Cyrus, who brought the children of Israel back to Egypt after the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Now, that's where the Ishmaelites live, up north. The Arabs live in the south and the country of the east. Two different people, two different nations. So Ishmael have nothing to do with Muhammad, just kisses goodbye. It's a lie. God said, the small g, God, Allah of Muhammad, that he gave the prophethood and the wisdom and the book. What book? The book of wisdom, the Bible, to the children of Israel. If you open your Bible, surprise, surprise, all the prophets of the old testament were what? They were Jews. They were the children of Israel. Even the ones go to the Gentiles, like Jonah, he went to Nineveh, Eunice, uh, his name. He went to Nineveh in the Quran. And Jonah was sent to a Gentiles whom he hated their gods, by the way. I was supposed to do this today. We'll do it next time. Lord's willing. So there are sometimes God sent. Jewish prophet to Gentiles but there was never a Gentile prophet to Gentiles okay or to Jews past tense do deal Muhammad is not the descendant of Israel therefore Muhammad cannot be a prophet how about Quran 29 27 listen and we granted him Isaac and Jacob and we assigned the prophethood and the book to his descendants once again him is Abraham and Abraham have a son by the name Ishmael nope Ishmael is not there Isaac, why Muhammad did not say, and we grant him Ishmael and Isaac, after all Ishmael is the oldest, he is prophet, where all the Muhammadans will come from, no, 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 we gave Abraham Isaac, and we gave Isaac Jacob, and we assigned past tense, assigned the prophethood and the book to his descendants, Muhammad have no part of prophethood. But Muslims believe Muhammad is a prophet and he's the final prophet. Well, as the Muslims once again as we sit in the Sunday school hour. What is a prophet? What is a prophet? Oh, a prophet is a messenger. No, 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 no. There are two different things. Prophet is not a messenger. A messenger is not a prophet. A prophet, according to the Bible, is the man or the woman who gives a prophecy. What is a prophecy? It tells the future. Here is what's coming. Number one. Number two. This prophecy must be fulfilled or you're not a prophet. And if you have a prophecy and your prophecy is fulfilled, that's for sure you're a prophet from God. No, because even false prophets prophesy and their prophecy is fulfilled. The most important test is this number three, that you must lead the people to worship the God of the Bible. What is Muhammad prophecy? No prophecy. Nothing was fulfilled. And he led the billions of Muslims Worship Satan. Muhammad cannot be a prophet. Period. Can I take five more minutes? Ten more minutes? If I'm gonna start speaking and start leaving, we might as well leave now. Just give me ten more minutes. We we'll cover one more point to make it easier tonight. I was gonna speak tonight from six to eleven. I want to finish around ten thirty. Okay. So give me ten minutes now. Save me half hour tonight. Here we go. Islam is the religion of love and peace. Ladies and gentlemen, ask any American, ask any European, ask any Australian, ask any Canadian who became a Muslim. He or she will tell you, Islam is love, Islam is peace. That's the reason number one why Muslims, remember the guy talked to you, the engineer, 32, 33, engineer. I got another guy, he's a lawyer. I'm not kidding you, a lawyer in Orlando, Florida. And these two people I met around, and by the way, I meet them all over the country. And that lawyer is a smart lawyer. He's not, you know, you may think a lawyer is a lawyer because his daddy make him rich and he went to the school. No, no, that lawyer is a very smart lawyer. He went big cases. I've been in his house twice. As a matter of fact, if you get volume two of my oldest book, Exposing the Truth About the Quran, The Revelation of Error," you'll hear my testimony being in his house at the beginning, in the intro you have a home worth maybe two and a half three million dollars if you own a house three million dollars and you're a lawyer you must be uh, inherited a rich daddy his is still alive or you must be a smart lawyer okay he's a smart lawyer and in his house i met with him and he grabbed me that quran and i looked at the quran he had and i'm not kidding you it is big as this one here and i said uh, no I'm, I'm asking about if you can share with me your Quran the one you and your wife are reading he said yeah that's it that's the Quran he said yeah I said no no no. I need the Quran the, the Quran which Muhammad claimed to receive 14 years ago the, the big book the Quran he said that is the Quran our teacher who led us to Islam me and my wife told us this is the Quran all that we need I said, okay can you please read for me Quran chapter 68 verse 27 and you look he said there's only five chapters I said that's not the Quran he insists it's the Quran even though the book he have in hand does only have five chapters and the Quran have 114 I said that is a book about Islam that's not the Quran how in the world a man who's a lawyer stand up before jury and judges and win cases so successful, leave Christianity, become a Muslim, believing that he's reading the Quran and the book he has in his hand have nothing to do with the Quran. Help me out, America. Help me out. If this is the smart, educated lawyers and doctors and engineers, what do you leave to the rest of the normal people like you and I, who maybe have high school or some degree in some college? Not, not smart ones. And according to the book he has in his hand, it says. Islam means peace. Islam is a loving, peaceful religion. We love the Jews, we love the Christians, we love gay, we love lesbian, we love dogs, we love everything. (laughs) He adopted two children from Africa. He have dogs in his house. I said, do you know that according to Islam, you cannot adopt a baby because that's forbidden? You cannot have a dog in your house. He said, no. That God creature. The dog is God creature. He loved dogs. His wife loved dogs. You think Becky liked dogs? Oh, go see that man's wife. She worship her dogs more than Allah maybe. Okay. But he adopted children. It's forbidden Islam. Because according to the book he had in his hand, which he assumed to be the word of Allah in the Quran, that is what they teach him. Islam is a religion of love and peace. All right, let's open the Quran and see how loving and how peaceful Islam is. Quickly, here we go.
1: Oh, you prophet, provoke the believers to engage in war. If there will be 20 patient ones of you, they will have victory over
0: 200. Notice now, war is the opposite of peace. You understand that? When you go to war, you don't have peace. How many verses do we have in the Quran where Allah commands the Muslim believers, those who believe, the believers, to engage in war? 79. 79 verses in the Quran, trust me. If you download my ebook and look for the word war, you go to the search, there's I click on it, you know, and you put W A R 79 verses. How can Islam be the religion of peace when Allah never mentioned or ordered or command the Muslim believers to live in peace? But He orders them in 79 verses throughout the book to engage in war with the Jews and the Christians. Specifically, the Jews and the Christians. Abu Bakr-Sadiq read in my uh, new book, the newest one, is outside available. Jihad is the Quran, Volume 2, Unholy War. Jihad in the Quran. And as I read to you what uh, Abu, Abu Bakr Saddiq said. And he said, the most people who loved, whom, whom he loved to kill more than anybody else are the Jews and the Christians. Must be love. Must be peace.
1: So, when you meet those who became infidels, so strike the necks until you have made a great slaughter among them.
0: I met with this lady, a doctor's wife little boy is running in the Walmart and she speaks to him in Arabic. I said, whoa, what a golden opportunity. Hey, buddy, in Arabic. How are you, my beloved? How are you doing? Where is your mama? That's your mama? Where is your dad? In Arabic. The boy does not even speak yet. He's like two years old. He's just, you know, running, little boy, running like this boy here. And I thought, what a great way to talk to him in Arabic so I can talk to his parents. And here is his mama and here is his dad and he's a dentist. So I shook their hand, and uh, I'm glad to see you guys. Where do you live? You live in town near us, maybe a good hour from our home in Missouri. And, uh, and uh, it was real good talk with her. And then he was busy with the boy. I said, well, let me talk to her anyway. So I'm talking to her about the uh, – I said, uh, are you still Muslim? She said, yes, of course. Yes, of course. I thought, you know, maybe I thought he became a Christian. She's a little bit moderate. She does not have the hijab over her head. And, uh, and I started talking with her. I said, well, uh, maybe it's time for you to read the Qur'an. Excuse me, what? I said, you study the Quran, so you know for sure that Islam is what you believe, because if it is not in the Quran, it's not Islam. Uh, I mean, think about it, you're not wearing the hijab, you're not living your Quran. To be a good Muslim, you don't talk to a stranger like me, I'm a stranger. And by the way, I'm an infidel stranger, okay? So she's not black in Islam. In, in a nice way, I'm not, I was not rude to her, but in a nice way, said, I said, I enjoy talking with you, but that's not Islamic because you're not supposed to. And your husband lets you talk with you. That's uh uh-uh, uh, that's a no no. But she said, oh, I believe in the Quran, I believe in Islam. I said, so you believe Islam is a loving and a peaceful religion? I talk. I got the boldness I can, maybe you started a little bit different, but I said, so, she absolutely, I said, where in the Quran we can find a verse teach law for peace? You cannot do that unless you read the Quran, unless you read it most, more than once, so when you talk about it, you're not, again, you studied the Quran, and you know there is no law for peace in the Quran, I said, yes, yes, indeed, and we talked for like five minutes, and I quoted that verse to her in the Arabic language. And she said, Whoa, 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 whoa. You misunderstand that verse. I said, What? He said, Do, do you think Allah said when you meet the infidels, you, you cut their head off? I said, Yeah, that's what Allah said. No, no, no. That's not what Allah meant. That's not what Allah meant. Help me out. What did Allah meant by that verse? No, not like bringing people with cut head. No, 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 no. That's not what we believe at all. That's not what Allah's meant. So what did Allah mean by that verse? I said, well, let me give you three options. Hug them around the neck. Kiss them on the neck. Separate the neck from the head by cutting it off. Which one do you like to have? She had no answer. No, 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 that's not what Allah said. That's not what Allah meant. You know, break my heart to see a woman in her thirty, married to a doctor man in America and meet them at Walmart and they have no idea what Allah meant by that verse. Can anybody give me another interpretation besides the word beheading? Right now, anybody? Can you just make up, make up an interpretation if you can convince me, okay? Make up. So when you meet those who became impetus, strikes and necks. Until you have made a great slaughter among them, what does that mean? Islam is love. Islam is peace. My friends, lots of Muslims believe in America and around the world that Islam is a loving, peaceful religion. And Muslims only engage in war, in defensive war. If somebody attacks them, that's exactly what they teach. That's exactly what they teach in our public schools for your children and your grandchildren. The new generation in Americans are going to grow up to believe the lies of the Muslims. That's why you're going to see many of the Americans convert to Islam. And sadly, many of them are going to be your congressman, and your senator and your mayor and your governor. That's how this country will be destroyed from within. Islam will play a huge role in the end of our time. I'm not going to play one more verse. Will I play another verse? Yeah.
1: So do not be weak and do not call for peace when you have the upper hand.
0: That is the only verse of the Quran where I read the word peace in it. I'm not kidding you. Here this: it P-E-A-C-E. It's peace. But Allah said, do not Do not be weak and do not call for peace when you have the upper hand. The question is, are Muslims peaceful today? The question is, is Islam a peaceful religion? Because trust me, in America today, you can have a good Muslim neighbor better than a Baptist minister. You didn't hear me. Right now in America, I promise you, You can have a good, Muslim neighbor better than a Baptist minister. I've been in some Baptist ministers' homes. And I hate to say that. I've been doing that for 20 years, guys. I stayed in many pastors' homes. I don't like to go to hotels. I say, find me an older people in your church. I need a couch or a chair. I'll sleep in it. I'll be happy. I don't like to go to hotels. I don't sleep good in hotels. When my hand, I wake up at night, and my hand or my leg touching the outside of the cover, I can't sleep. I wake up. I go take a shower. Because I know there are four hundred people slept on the same thing and covered by their hand. My wife, she loves hotels. She know whoa, we're gonna go to the hotel. Said, oh my god, I wanna go to hotel. Kevin, can you take me on your couch, please, brother? I love to sleep on your couch. But that's the truth. I don't like hotels. <sighs> Make the long story short, Islam is not a loving religion. Islam is not a peaceful religion. What Muslims teach the American is a lie, and it's time for us to learn these truths to share it with plenty of Muslims who do not know Islam. Don't assume because she is in the hijab she knows Islam. As a matter of fact, there are plenty of Muslims. The moment they got to learn Islam, they leave Islam. Sadly, there are plenty of them are becoming atheists on their own. The biggest growth of the church right now in America is not in, in, in the world; it's not in America in the country of Iran. I know this first Lots of Muslim Irani are becoming Christians. Thousands. Sadly, hundreds of thousands of Muslim Iranis are becoming atheists Because they figured out Islam and they left Islam without knowing the truth of the gospel and the truth of Christianity. That's why we need to learn about that. Here is a verse about love. I'm going to close with that because I know I asked for 10 minutes and I took my 8 minutes. 2 minutes. Here we go. 2 more minutes. Here we go.
1: Surely Allah loves those who engage in war in ranks for his sake, as if they were a solid wall.
0: Yes, Allah loves. But loves who? Loves Osama bin Laden. Allah loves every Muslim jihadi who is willing to commit the greatest ultimate thing he can do, a suicide. They put dynamite around their chest, and they shout, Allahu Akbar, and they kill themselves and many around them. Allah loves Muslim jihadis. Allah loves Muslim believers. Allah loves Muslims who engage in war. That is the truth about Islam. Islam is not a loving, peaceful religion. Islam is a savage cult. But unless we educate ourselves so we can reach out to the lost Muslims, they will never come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. More important than all that, are you a Christian? I mean, Here's the question. If you don't have it, you can't give it to me brother, would you please write me a check? I want to buy a new car that costs me 20 grand. Or write me a check. Oh, Brother Isama, no problem. Here is a dollar. Because that's what how much he got. But if he's a rich guy and own owns some big oil, he can easily buy me an airplane. Not a, not a car. What a car for? It's slow, brother saw. Let's go to you a nice jet. But if he does not have it, he cannot give it to me. How in the world do you think we can share the truth of the gospel with the lost Muslims and lead them to Christ when we ourselves do not have a relationship with Christ? As I always say, I don't have a fancy uh, big invitation, but it's very simple. Do you remember the time and the place where you and when you give your heart to Jesus? Born again is not uh, something imagined in the air. It's a physical birth. You're here in this world. You're here right now. I know you're born physically, no doubt. It will not give me even a second thought that each and every one of you are born first, born in the flesh. The second, which more important birth is the spiritual birth. Are you a born-again Christian? I'm not asking, are you a Baptist? Are you a Catholic? Are you a Presbyterian? That means nothing to me. Or to God. Do you remember the place and the time where you cried to Jesus, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. I know Jesus loved me. I know he died on the cross for my sin. And I know he was buried. And I know he rose from the dead. So is the devil. Do you know the devil know better than I and you no, can ever know about Jesus and about God, about the Bible? I've never seen Jesus. The devil did. Read the scripture. What is the difference between me and the devil when we know these things about God? Is did you confess you're a sinner? Did you confess that you have blown it up? Not once, plenty of times. Most of you are old too, so obviously, you have sinned plenty of times. Do you know? that the sin you committed separates you from God. Do you know that Jesus died on the cross not for the sin of the world, but for your own sin, for you, me. My daddy gave the invitation many, many, hundreds of times. Every time my father used to preach in Egypt, he gives the invitation, end of the sermon. And that's what I believe. The church in America is the same mood. Been in church for five, ten years, for sure you heard Pastor Kevin talk about giving your heart to Jesus. Who, Who did not hear this in a Baptist church? And I sit in the chair thinking it is my father speaking to the people sit around me. Because I am his son. I heard it all my life. I don't need it. It is the message. And look at it. I'll be sitting in the church. And I try hard the day before to get my friend Amjad, a real person. He can tell you that himself. If we can put him someday on the uh, internet with a video, he can share this with you. Many times I ask Amjad to come to hear my daddy preaching because I know my daddy will have a great sermon and in the end he will ask Amjad to give his heart to Jesus and I know Amjad never prayed to ask Jesus in his heart and I said man if Amjad was sitting right now here next to me right now Amjad was with this great sermon my dad is preaching Amjad would stand up and give his heart to Jesus and become a Christian and I myself never thought of it that I need to give my heart to Jesus we get so familiar with the gospel message and the love of Jesus and he died on the cross and he rose again like the devil not just very familiar like the devil knows for sure maybe some of you will doubt it sometime. the devil have no doubt he knows jesus died on the cross he knows he was buried and he knows he rose from the dead now did you take the death burial and resurrection for you for your sin if not you die as a good baptist and for eternity you spend it in hell with the muslims and with Muhammad and the rest of the preachers of the world who will tell Jesus we prophesied in your name we preach in your name we cast demons in your name and the point is this you may know him and you know his name but he does not know you away from me you evildoers I do not know you how can God knows us it's when we give our heart to him when we repent of our sin when we accepted the gift of eternal life and He say okay usama son of camel son of dactog and my name is written in the book of life because i have a new birth certificate it's a spiritual birth certificate i'm a born again christian are you if not why not now i don't see any reason you be the dumbest of the dumb the most stupidest to leave this meeting right now saying well i heard it before I know I never give my heart to Jesus but maybe tomorrow because tomorrow will never come if it was tomorrow why you did not get saved the last year and the year before and the year before and father God we give thanks to you because you love us so much while we're committing sin while we're living in sin you send your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross of shame and sorrow the one who not no, not sin, became sin to save me, the sinful wicked man, from my sin. We're ashamed of you, Lord Jesus, to even stand up in the middle of a body of believers to say, today I give my heart to Jesus. We're ashamed of you, we don't want to make that decision in the middle of other believers. But you were not ashamed to go to the cross of shame and sorrow naked they crucify you nude on that cross to carry the curse of my sins on your flesh oh Holy Spirit take our pride away remove our foolishness to reject your love and your grace Lord Jesus oh Holy Spirit break our hearts to know that you are the way you are the truth you are the life and without you we will never see heaven, we will never see the Father. Help us Lord to humble ourselves, to confess our sin, and to accept you as Lord and Savior. May we never leave this place as we came in. That if there is one person here today, Lord Jesus, if one person is watching us right now on the internet, and he or she know for sure that they never cry out to you to have mercy on their soul, may they do right now, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And the heavens will rejoice and our name will be written in the book of life help us holy spirit never to deny you never to live in our foolishness anymore but to live right before you not only to know you but to love you and to serve you that we may commit our life to live from now on to minister to you for the lost people around us if not the muslims the one who will become a muslim If we will not share the gospel with them, help us to get busy, to work in your kingdom, to obey your command, and to make disciples of all nations. We love you and we praise you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.